Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Thursday Night's Triumph Over Targeting podcast. I'm your moderator, Ella. Tonight we have another special guest, and I hope you guys appreciate uh, Mr. Matthew Aaron. He's the one that's going to be joining us tonight. And if you are new to the call, please stay on, and we will get you some additional support, some additional talk show podcast numbers, and some helpful links and websites. This is a solutions and educational-based podcast, and my uh, the views and the opinions of my guests are not necessarily my own personal views and opinions. My goal is that everyone can obtain something out of tonight, especially a feeling of empowerment. And if you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, uh, especially if you're in the need of some additional support, please don't hesitate to email me at tiangel2016 at gmail.com. I got the day wrong. Sorry about that. Um, so, Dr. Aaron is a victim of direct energy attacks and has thoroughly documented his experience in a comprehensive 500-plus page manifesto. He has a Master of Science in Environmental Toxicology. He's a PhD in Neurobiology and Behavior. Dr. Aaron's scientific training and research have given him expertise in neurobiology, genetics, sensory systems, digital signal processing, advanced statistics, and the functioning of the bioelectric tissues and the muscles, heart, and brain of vertebrates, including humans. Owing to this background, Dr. Aaron probably had an edge in quickly figuring out what was happening to him once he became a targeted individual with radio frequency directed energy weapons, which interact painfully and dangerously with the body body's bioelectrical processes. So thank you again. I really appreciate you coming on. It was very last minute, so we're kind of winging it here. I guess one of the first no. things I can do. Um, so again, yeah, we're very honored. And so I guess maybe if you want to tell them a little bit more about yourself, uh, maybe talk a little bit about your history and uh, how you got into the field that you're in and, um, you know, a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, let me first uh, start off by saying um, I would rather use the word report than manifesto only because um, manifesto has a connotation that um, I had some kind of uh, emotion-filled agenda. Um, manifesto is also used for long works and I think that's that's probably why you used it but um, I I wrote 500 uh, pages of text because I had a lot to document and I was able to collect um, some novel evidence along the way which which needed explanation so I I just I would rather um, think of what I put together as a report um, uh, of uh, of what happened to me in Vancouver well thank you and that appreciate it um, my background is um, I have a long, uh, a fairly long um, history of research in the life sciences. Um, I, I uh, got my PhD at Cornell. I did a lot of um, field work for my research, my dissertation in Africa, where I studied um, different aspects of weekly electric fishes. And um, in doing that work, I learned a lot about um, how the bioelectrical functions in vertebrates work uh, because electric fish are specialists in using electricity. 
um, but the same processes are are at are at work in uh, humans as well, just in in a modified form. And uh, after that, I I did um, postdoctoral training at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, um, where I I did work on uh, genetics of complex traits. And um, I, while I was at the Hutchinson Center, I started doing uh, science writing. So I I got into science writing and. Um, uh, that's that's something that I'm trying to um, explore further as my career goes forward. Um, but after leaving the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, I took a consulting job in Vancouver, um, and that's why I moved up to Vancouver. That that was not long ago, um, so I'll just keep it brief at that. Okay, great. So I guess then the next question is: When did you discover you were targeted, and why do you think you were targeted? Um, okay, this, this answer might be a little bit longer, so if, if you think I start to get into too many details, um, just cut me off. But um, when, I, when I moved to Vancouver, um, I had never heard of the targeting phenomenon. I didn't even know the term directed energy weapon. I didn't know the term gang stalking. I moved into an apartment um, pretty much... Uh, I'll say the building name. It was in the Genesis Tower, right there in downtown Vancouver, in the center of Vancouver. And that city is um, a high-density residential city, so there are a lot of um, high-rises that are in close proximity to each other. Um, a lot of them are are very much have glass exteriors too, so it's a it's like a glass city, and everyone's packed in there. And just about um, only 25 meters across the alley from my new apartment, you know, I was super excited about having the, the best apartment that I'd ever had. Um, just across the alley, there was this uh, medical building. And this is only 25 meters away, and that was a non-residential building. And even on the first night that I moved in, I started to notice very unusual activities in that building. And um, the activities were basically, can be summed up by people occupying the building, apparently engaging in party activities or sneaking around on the building at, at night, even during the day. But this was a non-residential building. So it really, it felt, uh, I, I had this like assumed privacy at night because that was a non-residential building. But I noticed all this activity in there all the time. And so I kept an eye on it. And, um, but but I didn't, you know, I didn't feel too violated because I, I let people, people are free to do what they want as long as they don't harm other people. But in keeping an eye on that activity, I, I started to notice things like people dressed in ghillie suits. Do, do you know what a ghillie suit is? I was going to ask you to maybe go into a little detail about one of these suits. Well, a ghillie suit is um, basically sniper camouflage. And uh. It, 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 it's its most usual form. It basically looks like you have leaves and twigs uh, and branches on your body. Now, this building across the alley had open patios with vegetation. So these people were actually hiding in military-style camouflage on this building. Now, owning a ghillie suit is not illegal. And so, again, I, I, I let that go. I, I let that kind of activity go. Um, I didn't, I didn't notify anyone about it. I told friends about it, 
I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to call the police. I thought these were just um, kids having fun or people with a lot of extra disposable income. Um, but um, the activity was, was pervasive. And I, I, I will say that, you know, you might ask, well, how did I know there were people in ghillie suits? Because ghillie suits are camouflage, and by their very nature, they're supposed to be hard to point out or detect. Um, but I, I tested this idea in different ways. Like, like at night, when I, when I felt um, I could see the reflections of binoculars um, constantly looking into my apartment, I got a, I got a laser pointer, a very, very weak directed energy weapon, you could say, and I flashed it at the binoculars, and I, I forced the individual to jump back revealing that, 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 in fact, there was an individual there in camouflage watching my apartment and, and other apartments. And uh, in a more comical instance, I actually made my own ghillie suit when there were um, a group of people during the day, of all, of all things, slowly sneaking around um, in broad daylight, but doing so in a very sophisticated way, using the, the correct movements and very slowly I, I fashioned my own ghillie suit and sort of I made fun of them. Uh, I was trying to uh, I was trying to get a reaction, and one of the one of the guys before the sun went down actually took his ghillie suit off and started hurling threats my way. And so um, I could go on and on. There was all kinds of theater and, and things, but I'll, I'll just give you two more examples of, of the lead up to when I was targeted. One was these people in this building would started to do sort of more direct harassment towards me and also directed towards anyone else in my building that was looking over there. And this, this was more, um, this, this was something that was offensive, offensive to me and harmful, potentially harmful to others. And what they, what they did is they would have slideshows where they would use a PowerPoint projector and project a series of slides onto their glass from the inside of their building. And this was done during the day. And because there's a half-silvered glass and dust on the glass, you can actually get a very faint image on the glass by doing that. And their slideshow consisted of photographs of, of um, my building and of people in the privacy of their own home that, that, that looked to be unaware that they were being photographed. And that, that was like, now they were crossing a line. Um, I also noticed some very unusual things that I can say in retrospect were suggestive of directed energy weapons. They, they had antenna-like structures, parabolic reflector, and these um, different kinds of lamps, which I, which I would see them using at night to illuminate other downtown residences, as well as my residence. And so over time, I became offended, and, um, and I, I felt like I needed to take a stand, and I confronted those individuals in several ways. And I confronted them actually quite forcefully because at the time, I had no idea that behind their activity was an established harassment network. I, I knew nothing about that. I, I had no idea what I was up against, but um, I confronted them by sending them messages um, on, on a large monitor. I, I confronted some people 
departing that building at an odd time in a in an SUV. I walked up to them. I, I asked them to stop harassing me and other people. And um, and then I one time uh, wrote a very forceful message, basically saying that if they did not stop constantly watching me and um, engaging in these shenanigans, these harmful shenanigans, that I was going to uh, try to go public on what, what they were up to. And, and that moment um, w- was, a, was a major switch. I, I've learned a little bit about organized stalking and electronic harassment, and I, I think I skipped. My organized stalking phase was very short. They, they went straight to high-intensity attacks with, with what, what I could imagine as the, their full capability of harassment through electromagnetic means. So I I went from zero to 10 on the scale of intensity over a, over a few day period. And um, so maybe my, my story is a little bit different from the the standard story, but that's basically a summary of it. Is there anything that happened that kind that you could look back on to, to kind of correlate when it started and why it started? Was it work-related? Uh, no, no. I, I, um, I, I'm going to try to uh, – I, I have some very um, observations that, I, that I, I think are very definite, and I, and I have some evidence that is very, um, very material and, and unambiguous. But here, here I have to say I'm, I'm speculating a little bit, but it is my overall impression that I just happened to move into a building that is situated right across from a center of this kind of activity. So, so, I, so I, I moved into an apartment which I believe was pre-rigged with installed harassment devices and that I was basically, I and anyone else, who is not a member of the harassment network, because remember, if a harassment network has a cluster in a city, you will have other harassers also living near the center of that cluster, but you will have mixed in with them innocent, innocent uh, um, civilians, and, and they might be used as playthings. And so I think I was used as a plaything for a while, and then when I, when I took a stand, and also my messages... Um, made it very clear I knew what they were, some of the things they were up to, then, then the mission, again, this is my speculation or my impression, the mission became this guy needs to be ejected from this area. This guy needs to be taken down hard. He, 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 he's not complying with, he's not, he's not playing with our game. He's not putting his head in the sand or running away. He's still here. We need to take him out. And then the, the curtain was pulled back, and oh, overnight, uh, an, an amazingly large and sophisticated harassment network was was focused on me. It, it was a, it was a, an incredible experience. Um, when this started to happen to you, did you have did you discuss this with family or people that were close to you? And what was the response? Well, remember, um, I said that there, there was a long period of slowly escalating harassment and theater not street theater but like theater in the building across from me and yes i did i did share those um those some of those uh 
observations with people. But as you know, part of this game is um, the perpetrators of this kind of uh, behavior and this, this criminal behavior do things that are outlandish. And so you mostly get, um, you mostly get um, incredulity from, from people that you try to, to explain this to. Yeah, they go through like a discrediting, um, you know, period. They really try to make you appear um, unstable to people around you, including your family and friends and um, your work associates. It seems to be across the board that that tactic is used. Well, I, I have my friends know me, and they know that I'm an observant person, and that I'm a. I also have high integrity, so I, I didn't really get that too much. I didn't share this with people at work. What I what I got was. Um, you know, it's basically like I would witness things at times and places when when they weren't there. And then when I was hoping that they could come and see one of these performances that these uh, that these idiots, these psychopaths would put on, they they, they wouldn't put them on. They, they were they were sporadic events. And that's also part of the game. You know, it, if it was a continual thing, let's just say that they've put a lot of effort into learning how to hide in plain sight and to um, they're, they're, they're masters of their craft of harassment. I, I agree. Um, and then, I, you know, because of your work, you might have been able to, um, of course, you were able to kind of realize what was going on with you. So um, what did you do with the information and all this knowledge on neurosciences and everything that you know um, how did that uh, how did that uh, um, play into you being well, able to, to shield yourself and to inform yourself and to educate yourself? Well, first of all, once they turned up the intensity, it went from zero to ten pretty much over a very short time, and then it was maintained at that level for six weeks, eventually forcing me to flee under what I perceived as potentially lethal force. So I never had a chance to shield myself. I, I, I never had a chance to put this together. They had me on the move with cattle prods, uh, metaphorical cattle prods. Um, so, so shielding was not an option for me. And because I had no background experience or connections in this community, I had to just try to put this all together myself. Now, I will say, I don't think it takes um, anyone with special science training to put this together. I, I um, figured out that uh, electromagnetic energy was being used to harm me using basic principles. And those basic principles are, okay, an energy source is hurting me. It's, it's causing burns, the sensation of burning, and it is coming through the wall. So it only takes, you know, a basic knowledge of physics to know. Everyone knows that microwave energy causes a thermal burn. And, and pretty much um, if, if you know that cell phones use microwaves, then you know that those signals can come through walls. And so all you have to do is put those two things together to have a perceptual understanding and a very solid one that you're being attacked with directed energy. Um, so, so, so my, it, it wasn't my science, science training that brought me to that conclusion. It was just, it was just logical 
um, common sense. Right. Sean, do you want to ask any questions? Because I know you're in time. I'd be able to ask. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of questions. Um, so let's take this back a little bit. Um, so you discovered these men in ghillie suits uh, at the building across from your tower. Uh, you said that the movements were professional. Are we talking about like your run-of-the-mill hunter or are we talking like like military professional? Well, okay. Um, uh, the, the, the most common um, sort of um, what, what we're talking about here, I wouldn't – men, yes, they were – over 18, but it, the, the the sort of average makeup of these of these perpetrators, which I saw doing this, appeared to be mid 20s. Um, and you know, for lack, I can't really substantiate this, but I had the impression that these were jobless, semi-homeless people that had been recruited into this into this um in, in, into performing this role of surveillance with these with these camouflage suits now um as to their technique of hiding if you give someone a fun job of hiding and terrifying people and a little bit of pointers i think anyone can learn how to hide in plain sight with a, with a ghillie suit was was that what you were getting at I was I was referring to their movements. So the the movements seem to be very um like very I believe you said professional, but uh you know, they knew how to move, I think I think is what you said. Okay, okay, so yeah, so so this is where my um this is where my training in animal behavior um inspired me to figure out also what they were doing. They were moving in the same way that chameleons and praying mantises move. And and um, I, I have a PhD in neurobiology and animal behavior, and so I'm fascinated by these things. I was I was drawn to observe them more by being fascinated by what was going on. And, and the way that uh, I gather, the way that a professional sniper moves when they're when there's eyes on them, is they take very tiny steps, and they intentionally sway their body to resemble the movement of surrounding vegetation in the breeze. So if there's a breeze, you can, you can move through a patch of vegetation much, much more easily. But we're talking like it would take them an hour to cover um, a few feet sometimes. Um, so, so you have to have a, like a, a, a good eye and a good spatial memory. And a, a lot of listeners might say, well, you just, you, you weren't really seeing that. But, but um, I want everyone to remember that I tested this idea several times and every time I tested it by illuminating their binoculars at night or making fun of them, I got a positive reaction. So I, let's say I tested it, that idea six times, but then I observed the same thing 200 additional times and all six of my tests were positive, suggesting that the 200 additional observations were probably also largely valid. No. So, so, so this, so I don't want to give people the impression that this was a paramilitary group. That that's not my impression. These were, these were, these were, you know, everyday ordinary people who had been recruited into 
a system, and I'm, I'm not sure how they're – well, I have some ideas on how they're compensated, but um, I'm not exactly sure about that. I'm not inside that system. But um, they've, been, they've been given some training. Um, but uh, I know there's a lot of ideas in the targeted individual community that these are intelligence operatives that are doing this, and I, I don't think so. I think these are organized criminals who are recruiting ordinary people to do things that they might not even know are are that criminal, but it's the it's the system that is a that is an organized criminal system that is a very very serious crime that 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 authorities will need to address at some point. But it's almost like a social network system, and I think a lot of the people that were involved in it were um, drug dependent as well. So, did you ever see law enforcement in, in the vicinity at all, like uh, like unmarked or marked vehicles? Well, re- remember that um, those observations that I've to- told you so far are ones that I made from my apartment, and I live there, and I could make my own discrete observations. I could, and I, I was able to make those any time I was at home, but I never saw law enforcement, recognizable law enforcement, in that building. We're we're up on the 15th floor, so this is all taking place in the sky, but when, when, the, when the directed energy attacks, the mob attacks on the street and into my apartment with the really uh, large electromagnetic pulse generator, which I, which I made a visual, a visual observation of on a number of occasions, when those started, then I did get um, some very bizarre instances of police intimidation um, which were also carefully crafted so that they were impossible to, to substantiate. But in, in my entire life, uh, on the street, I would get that intimidation happening from police on the street level. Uh, I would say there was about th- two or three instances of that. And these were timed to occur moments after I had been assaulted. Um, and, and, and in my life, I have spent time in, in, many, in many countries, and I've had, a, you know, I've had a rich life, and I have never experienced instances of police harassment like that. So I can't prove that those instances of police harassment were linked to the overall stalking and directed energy attacks, but they were, they were very, very coincidental with those attacks. So I, I think, I, I think the, the, my impression of this system is that it is it is like the it is like the mafia the early day it is like the time of the mafia when J Edgar Hoover did not believe in the existence of the mafia it is an organized type of crime and the mafia has always capitalized on corrupted police officers i don't view this as being a system that the police or the federal police or the intelligence community is doing, you know, as a system level thing, but certainly um, these organized criminal networks of stalkers are capitalizing on the police officers who are, who are willing to play, play along with this. And um, because our government is not doing anything about this, they are, basically giving an unwritten go-ahead 
which is which allows uh, corrupt corruptible police to participate in this like never before because everyone thinks it's it's well if the government's not doing anything about this then maybe it's not illegal or maybe it's okay and that is a that is a serious problem because this is guaranteed to grow into something that is going to truly cause um a destabilizing effect on society it's truly going to erode human rights it's truly going to be a um a vehicle for inspiring lawlessness if the, if this continues I, t- I totally agree i mean i, I think you know we've this, these these types of programs have been going on for many many years decades and um i just hope there's a point of return but uh, that's what we try to fight for every day what have um, you done um, what have you done as far as taking action against any of this? Um, uh, who have you spoken to? Uh, um, I know you've written that, you know, fantastic piece of work. Um, what else have you done for yourself, or, or to get the information out, or to protect yourself? Well, um, actually, all I've done so far is is write that report, and um, I, I after fleeing Canada, I, I was. Um, I, I left Canada with um, some physical evidence that I haven't mentioned yet, some actually tangible material evidence. And um, on on my last day in Canada, my, my fob key to my building mysteriously stopped working, which gave me, I, I already had the creeps because I was, uh, the curtain had been pulled back on a, on a hundreds and hundreds of members strong harassment network that seemed to be focused on me during that time period. Um, but, but my building key didn't, was was switched off. My electronic building key was switched off. But I fortunately had a, a suitcase of evidence and my passport. I wanted to go back into my apartment to retrieve some more things, but I just left. And then I, I do want to mention some what I think of as smoking gun evidence. And and I'll get to that in a second. But I knew that I had this evidence. And so, and I knew that what I had to say would require some explanation. Also, at this point, still, I did not know the term gang stalking. I did not know organized stalking. I did not, I did know directed energy weapon because I had looked it up on the internet, but I knew nothing. I I thought, uh, you know, I, I knew I couldn't be the only victim. I mean, that doesn't make logical sense that I was the only victim. So I knew there must be other victims, but I was alone having gone through this experience but when i when i came across the border i was followed across the border i was i was hit with directed energy within a kilometer on either side of the border new stalkers arrived in seattle and i fortunately uh, uh, my family helped me and my cousin arrived and i and i went underground after that but having this smoking gun evidence i knew that I had to document it because, um, and I, and I, as I started to document it, I did this almost, um, I did this because I really genuinely, genuinely wanted to report these crimes to authorities, but I also did it as a, as a form of like, um, closure for myself because I, I wanted to write down everything that happened to me. I took notes by the way, during all of this, I took detailed notes 
and I, and I collected some material samples that I think will be important, but I had this smoking gun evidence. I'll tell you that in just what that is in just a second. But I knew that I needed to write this all down and that I needed to do it in close, pro, in close timing to the events themselves. I, I, I couldn't do this 10 years later. I couldn't get, get my life back together um, and, and write all this 10 years later. I had to do this as fast as possible and as, and as good as I could. Um, so, so all I've done since this happened is document everything. And only about um, a week, last week, in fact, I finally sent my documentation and not just the 500-page report or manifesto, but um, I also sent, you know, more concise versions of it to federal authorities in Canada and federal authorities in the U.S. Um, and so I've just come out of this, and um, the writing of that, the documenting of that was all I've been able to do so far. It took me a year to do that, 500 pages, and I'm trying to survive, you know. I have to make money and survive. But now, the, the, the smoking gun evidence, as I started to document, I made sure at first to not consult the Internet. I did that on, intentionally to keep my report unbiased and my story. But, but then um, as I was you know, ha more than halfway done and writing some general sections of this report that I wrote, I started looking more and more on the Internet, and then I realized no one ha had evidence like what I had, so it, it actually motivated me to go on. Now, real, real quick, the, the key evidence, one, I, I feel like I have two pieces of key evidence. And I, my goal here is not to have a crime report you know, for my specific case. I know that's impossible. My goal is just to document that this is actually going on. And, and one of my pieces of evidence is when this electromagnetic, sorry, electromagnetic pulse generator sold on the internet, which I viewed with my own eyes, when it was fired at me into my apartment, it was fired through the glass and it hit me. It, 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 it interrupted my heartbeat. It, made, it, it stopped my breathing. If I did not immediately flee, it, it was like a, almost a life-threatening force type thing. This is a very large device which is sadly sold on the internet. Now, this was, these were like some of the earliest attacks. I was sitting by my desk there in my glass apartment up in the, up in the sky in Vancouver, and um, I, was hit, I was hit when I was sitting at my desk at 6 a.m., 10 p.m. the same day. I was standing in the middle of my solarium looking back a, one block away, not at the medical building, but at another apartment building one block away. I saw the device there. Um, and I was hit in, in, the, in the chest, and it actually caused a lesion on my chest. Now, um, what I did after that second time I was hit, of course, directed energy is invisible. So I saw the device. I was hit, but I didn't see the beam. But I immediately started steaming up my apartment. That was, my, that was my, um, the only thing I could think of to help try to shield me. My goal, this happened in winter, approximately one year ago, my goal was to fog up my windows and to create a cloud of vapor around me to help um, 
help uh, reduce the microwave energy a little bit. And also, you get electrified when you get hit by directed energy. You, you get induced electric currents, and it feels like there's static electricity. And I wanted to try to bleed off any static electricity. But when I, when I um, fogged up my window, I fogged up my apartment so much that it was, it was literally raining inside my apartment. I didn't care about the apartment after that. I, I, had, I had rivers of water running down the walls. And the steam went out to the solarium, and it fogged up the solarium. And right where I had been sitting at 6 a.m., and right where I had been sitting, standing at 10 p.m., were these beam, beam marks in the glass. And these aren't just like round circles. These are, these are concentric circles with the, with the same specific internal features, very peculiar features. I posted a video of these beam marks on YouTube under the, under the, um, name, of, under the name of Thomas Jefferson. And you can, you can look at these. Um, one of the videos is called Evidence. Uh, I, think I, I think I titled it something like Evidence of a Massive Microwave Laser in Vancouver. Okay. Um, the, beam, the beam marks are identical. Now, another thing I'd like to point out is that uh, six weeks later, no, maybe a month later, you know, these attacks went on and on, various different kinds of attacks using different types of, of weapons, uh, some being fired uh, from the apartment above mine straight through the floor with a different, with a different type of pulse. Um, but I, I used this technique to steam up my apartment a number of times. And when I steamed up my apartment again one month later, those marks were still on the window. Okay, so those are semi-permanent or even permanent changes to the glass. And, and that is very significant because most evidence that a TI could bring to the table, the, the, the type that you could think of the most would be um, EMF recordings or a video of an EMF meter. Okay, that's not that tangible. That's not, that's not durable. That, that's something that can only be recorded while the event is happening. But these are forensic traces of something that happened. And I knew I had that. And um, so actually the burden kind of fell to me. I, I, I felt that I had to write this report documenting this evidence in addition to other evidence, in addition to my entire timeline of what happened and everything leading up to it. And I needed to use all my writing skills to make it as sound as, as uh, reasonable as possible, not emotion-filled, but objective. And, and so, um, Ella, your, your question was, like, what have I done? So this is, this is all I have had time to do. And, and you're talking to me essentially when I finally brought this process to a close. Okay, well, thank you for um, elaborating on that. So I have a, just a few more following up on earlier comments. Um, Dr. Aaron, um, so you said that they projected photography, uh, photography of uh, other people they've been observing uh, onto, onto your window or uh, you know, into your house. Uh, onto their window, onto their window, almost as a, like a translucent screen. Now, do you believe this was a, a threat uh, to show you what they're capable of doing? Well, um, when I first started noticing this, um, I mentioned that example. There's like, I'm only giving you like a 10% slice through the different kinds of theater and harassment techniques that they used. But um, 
that one was significant to me because that seeing people sneaking around in ghillie suits is uh, I'm willing to call that innocuous. Seeing people sneaking around in ghillie suits with binoculars trained on your apartment all the time when when that building where they are doing that is supposed to be non-residential takes it to a slightly invasive level. Seeing them show images of people being photographed in the privacy of their own home without apparently without their knowledge takes it to potentially an illegal level. So that was a, that was a, when I saw that, that's when I started to feel that they, that their, their little fun and games were starting to cross a line and, um, you, you know, um, realize that I'm not the only one potentially viewing this. Imagine if that person, um, anyone living in my building who didn't have, like, I spent a lot of time observing these guys. I don't think most residents do that. I, 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 got, to, I got to learn a lot about what they were up to. Um, so Im- imagine another resident of my building seeing themselves in one of those little shows, seeing themselves if they're in their apartment, w- the way my building was situated, if you were in your apartment, there's no other building close by. So you might, you might not be fully dressed. And yet this is a non-residential building and it is a, it is a, it is a, it is a Sunday midday or it's a, it's a weeknight. You have this sort of implied, and none of the lights are on in that building. You have this implied sense of privacy. And again, it, it's a gray area because, you know, that person had their blinds open, but still it is a photograph of someone in the privacy of their own home. Now imagine if, if you're looking out and you see a photograph of yourself. That, that's where I was putting my, uh, my thinking. I was putting myself in the, in, the, in the shoes of the person who was photographed. That's, that's, that's a, a violation. And that's when I started to get upset um, by their shenanigans. I, I never saw a photograph of myself, but the implication is we also have a photograph of you. That's kind of like the harassment message being sent in that, in that little uh, example of their harassment techniques. And that's how I took it, at least. Now, you said that at some point you decided to make your own ghillie suit and make fun of them, and there was an exchange, a hurling of threats. Um, were, these, were these verbal back and forth? No, no, they, they weren't verbal. Um, I, I was amazed that the person took off his ghillie suit because anyone looking out, it was a rainy afternoon that, that day on like a Sunday. Um, but um, you'll have to just, again, uh, I'm, I, this is a, clearly an interpretation. But, you know, we, we are all humans. We, we communicate with nonverbal communication all the time. And if I were in a court of law, I would say, you know, it was a body, an aggressive body uh, language that the person was using, you know, kind of like analogous to drawing your finger horizontally across your throat. It was, or, or making the shape of a gun pointing at someone. It was, it was a, a body language along those lines. I, I, uh, I can't remember the exact how that played itself out, but the person was clearly upset by uh, that I was making fun of them. And again, if, we're, if, you, if you allow me to give you my impressions, it was my impression that on that particular week, there was a, a lot of activity that particular week. Uh, I used to work at home a lot, which is how I observed a lot, a lot of this. My office 
was in my solarium, I set up my desk to face out the window because I thought I had this great view of downtown Vancouver. But it was my impression that actually there were sort of like trainees out there that were spending like hours a day slowly moving around. And if in fact I was, I'm correct about that hypothesis or guess, then a trainee might find it very frustrating to be out in the cold rain and have someone actually detect their attempts at hiding. And, and so th I think that's what happened. And um, by making, by making a, uh, a, a, a ridiculous ghillie suit of my own and lampooning them, I was, I was communicating to them, I see what you're up to and I think you're a bunch of fools. And um, I might not have done that if I had known that there, were, there was an arsenal of directed energy weapons and hundreds of, of um, stalkers working at a coordinated group potentially uh, on the other side. I, I didn't know that at the time. I, this was still when I thought what I was seeing was just a, a, a bunch of uh, young adults having fun in a very sick way. But at that time, it was still um, something that I regarded as harmless. So you said that you had observed them uh, moving equipment, antenna, parabolic reflectors, special lamps. Uh, do you have any detail? Like, can you provide some detail on these objects? Um, were they were they handheld? Or were they larger? Um, were they uh, on wheels? And so uh, forth? Uh, one one one. You know, if if I could have had high definition, high excellent, excellent um, photographic equipment when I first moved in. I think they were a lot less careful about um, keeping their, what they were doing under wraps when I first moved in. And over time, when I, when I became that guy who was, who was, who was watching them, they started getting more careful. So it, it's a difficult question because what I have to do is I have to go back two years in time when I wasn't documenting things and try to remember when I had these clear views of things. So it's, it's kind of a retrospective. That's when I have to use my, my memory. But I, I will give you some examples. They had these handheld lamps that looked similar to, you, do you know what a dive, a large dive light looks like, like or, a, or a handheld spotlight when someone goes hunting at night? It's, it's like a, it looks like a gun but the barrel is like five inches across. It's a, it's, it's, there's flashlights that look like that. So there was a, a lamp, a handheld lamp like that. And this lamp had a very unusual, um, it was unusual because when they aimed it at you, it was a very faint red light. But the light could be made to look so so if, if they were let's say they're 50 meters away and they're aiming it at you um you would see this round faint light but then they could do some kind of a focusing or a polarization i'm not exactly sure i'm not sure at all what the details are but they could make the light appear to slowly come towards you or slowly recede um so they were able to somehow um play with your perception of the of the depth of field with that light and so the first time that was illuminated at me it was it was startling because it was at night and it and it looked like a faint ball of light 
was slowly gliding across the space in the alley between the two buildings. I, it startled me for a second, but then, of course, my objective thinking came in, and I was like, oh, okay, Vancouver is a film city. There's all kinds of people with special effects knowledge in here. Oh, what these, these, uh, these kids are really cool. They have all this fancy stuff. They can... And um, I would see that I saw them pointing this at other apartments as well. Um, so that was one of the devices that that's not a uh, I think that's just an, an optical trick. It might be a a near infrared lamp or a, or a far red type light. But there was some way that they could change um, something. So someone who has expertise in this area must know that they they were doing some trick with the light to make it look like the light was was different distances from you. So it had the impossible perceptual illusion of hovering in mid space outside your window. So it's, it's a frightening, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of optical and auditory illusions that are used in film and special effects. And, and you can frighten people with those things because people don't have an understanding of what's, of what's going on. Um, There was there were other, there was also a large parabolic type reflector that I that I caught Im- uh, glimpses of on a few occasions inside their building, and um, they did have half silvered windows, and so when when the sun is bright, you you especially you can't see into the into their building, but you know when someone flips on a light inside, you can see through half silvered. Depending on the ambient lighting conditions, I would get glimpses of these of these things, and I, I there was this large disc-like thing with a lot of different. Uh, it looked like different mirrors on it. I, I called it a parabolic reflector. Who knows what they were doing with that? But then I, I also saw them illuminating other buildings at night with a with a with a, a green spotlight. I mean, they, they were doing all kinds of stuff like that. Very low-intensity visual harassment of people in downtown Vancouver. And um, all of this was happening before I was targeted with directed energy. So I, I still, I chalked it all up to pretty much harmless, harmless fun on their part. Um, uh, one, one more quick example. Sure. Um, I, um, I did see a, um, w- one time early on, I, I saw a device that um, it looked like, when I first saw it, I thought, I thought it was a special effects prop from a Star Wars movie. Um, it, it looked like kind of like a, a multi-barrel laser gun. Um, it was aimed at, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't firing anything at me. It looked like it had several antennas on it. And I, it looked like kind of like a futuristic anti-aircraft gun. And it was um, a couple meters high, a meter across. And uh, that one, I, I, I wish I, I would catch glimpses of these things, and I didn't have high. I only had my cell phone camera. So, and also, um, I was making these observations, and I was tr- for for the year and a half, I was doing a lot of these observations just without making it obvious that I was making the observations. I was just, um, you know, chalking a lot of this up to my memory. Um, but that was a really weird one. When I saw that, I was like, God, these guys are really into war games. But looking back on it, that could have been some kind of antennal, fairly high intensity um, transmitter of some kind. All right. 
These are the kinds of observations that one doesn't normally make. And, um, and, and they, they really came back to my memory when, after I was targeted, then, then this stuff um, started to make a lot of sense. But, but the red lamps were used on me many times. And uh, I'll, I'll just say one more, one more quick thing. When I, when I checked into a hotel uh, to try to escape my targeting, um, it was a, it was a it was a hotel in Vancouver. Before I knew that these guys could follow me wherever I went, um, I had one day of peace at the hotel, and then on my second night in the hotel, these guys were started illuminating my room with the, with those same lamps from another high rise, and I and I was like, wow, these, these guys have an incredible. They know exactly which room I'm in, and they know how to how to target <laughs> that room. Uh, from another from another building, like th- they have this whole map of downtown Vancouver. So, the message um, on that harassment instance was definitely pretty clear to me. It was like, we know where you are, and we can follow you wherever you go. It was frightening to have that happen. We have a we have a question uh, from Julianne. She wants to know if you ever took it upon yourself to. Uh, go across the way to find out more about the building uh, that these people were occupying and um, just doing an uh, investigation on what its uh, legitimate purpose was supposed to be or um, sort of any uh, investigations you may have done? Um, is Julianne on the on the line or are you just reading are these she typing sent, questions? She sent me a note. Uh, yeah, she, she's not on the line. Oh, okay. So, um, I did a little bit of that, but you know, um, because I was trying to keep my, because I was trying to keep my report objective, I I, I tried to limit that. But I, I I actually made a slip up, and anyone who knows Vancouver can identify exactly which building I'm talking about, I believe. But I did I did do a little bit of that, and um, the uh, the building um, is it offers office space for physiotherapy it has a um hr department for a major medical company it has some build some real estate management and property management companies and i did find myself being intrigued by this combination of businesses but i tried not to i tried not to go too far down that road but but uh, what was really intriguing was that the building was full of physiotherapy suites and office spaces that were never used. It was, it was, that building had, had 10 times more occupants in the middle of the night sneaking around than it ever had during the day. And, and the offices in that building were many of them. I'm only mainly talking about the ones that were at eye level with me were, um, were seldom used. They, they had, uh, even like fake office backdrops set up and you could see silhouettes of people moving around behind that. It was a very, it, it was a front of some kind. Um, again, again, that's my impression that, that there was something going on there and, and uh, behind the scenes, but there was very little, little legitimate work going on there. Okay, um... interesting. Very interesting. What about your symptomology for yourself? What are you physically experiencing? Um, what's going on with you in that realm? Well, um, I can I can tell you what I experienced when I was targeted, but um, what what gave me the opportunity to spend 
a year documenting this, which I am very grateful I had that opportunity because I feel empowered by being able to document what happened to me in a, in a way that's supported with some evidence that, that, that I think will, it'll be evidence that will be, the significance of my evidence will be, will come to light in the future. I am confident of that, but I'm not targeted right now. So I just want to be clear about that. I escaped my targeting. Um, I can talk about what, um, what I experienced uh, when I was targeted. Okay. Do you yeah, want me to? Well, I know you said you had very, very powerful, um, very intense directed energy weapons. Um, yeah. there, was a, there was a whole range, but um, um, yes, that, that, that device that I witnessed, um, which, which, um, which I'm fairly confident left those beam traces because those beam traces were not there when my window was steamed up before. And they matched the exact positions where I was sitting and standing when I got hit those two times. And I discovered them just less than a couple hours after I was hit the second time. But that device was also fired at me from a different, it was fired at me from within that building and it was fired at me from another nearby residential building. And it had the most devastating effects on me. And then, and then there were, um, a couple more or a few more times when I would get these devastating, similar devastating effects. And, um, and I didn't witness the weapon. So, but I still, in my report, I said, based on the similarity of effects, I, I'm strong. I'm convinced that th that same weapon was used and probably on a mobilized platform in the back of a, of a delivery truck. They literally pursued me through a park and in the middle of the night or, in, in the dark of the night on a cold winter day uh, around Christmas. And they fired that thing at me um, when I was, when I was running from people that were clearly pursuing me. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was not that covert, although I didn't see the weapon. And um, uh, I will tell you that, that that weapon based on, based on my claims and my perceptions, that weapon can be fired as either a continuous beam or a brief pulse. Okay, and um, and the time that the time that it um it, it it the time that it felt like I was going to die, it was a brief pulse. The pulse itself lasted far less than a second. I, I'm very good at um, estimating the timing of things because of my pre previous research on on electric fish, which are all about precise timing, and I can estimate frequencies well because I worked in uh, sensory biology, but th this pulse delivered an extraordinary amount of energy to my body in, in, in less than a millisecond. And my entire body went rigid. I was running at, at full speed. My entire body was electrified. My entire body also went rigid. And when you're running at full speed and your body is essentially paralyzed, you, you, you drop to the ground you fall to the ground and it feels like the perception, the perception of it is almost as if the ground is sucking you down. And, um, the electrification was a, a level, uh, that was, um, probably like someone being tortured with electricity. It was, it, I also screamed involuntarily and I literally thought I was going to die, um, that time when they hit me. And, and, and fortunately where I was running through the park, Vanier park, 
there was a giant sculpture called the Gate to the Northwest Passage. It looks like a giant pie, the symbol pie, the Greek symbol pie. It's like 15 feet high. And I quickly, after I regained control of my body, I quickly scrambled behind that iron sculpture. And um, uh, the van that, w that had been following me was uh, in this parking lot. I think that's where the device was, but I couldn't actually see the device at that time. And um, as I was hiding behind the statue, I, I could feel the cold ground and, the, and my body tingling in these brief pulses a number of times. And um, I think what, what was happening was they were firing the device more times at me and it was going into the, I was behind the iron and it was going into the iron and maybe possibly the ground also. And it was causing these bursts of, of induced electric current all around my body. But, but even that, when I was shielded, felt like little jolts from a nine volt battery. Um, then there were other times there were other times when these when these devices that were used had distinctly more thermal burning effects on me um i even got i even uh, photographed burns on my body and and capillary damage and and welts and none of these were self inflicted none of these happened from these were all associated with uh, directed energy bursts to my body okay well thanks for giving me more details about that um, I guess at this point, I maybe I, I can I can open up for some questions from the listeners. Would that be okay with you? Yeah, that would be great. Okay, let's go ahead and do that. So, if you have questions for Dr. Aaron, just star eight, and I'll go ahead and unmute you. How are you holding up? I know you're outside um, because you're looking situation, but uh, are you doing okay? Yeah, yeah, this is this is good. Um, I'm 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 excited. I hope uh, I hope what I'm saying is coming across clearly. Uh, it, it's uh, this is the first time I've shared this story with anyone. This is um, other than the written form. So um, it, it's uh, it's cathartic. It's nice to be able to share this with an audience of receptive listeners. Okay. Yeah, the the chat room feedback is certainly positive at this point, and I'm sure when we put this up, uh, um, you know, the the YouTube responses would be just as positive. Okay, so I'm going to go to California first. Okay, California. Um, and by the way, I'm going to let you ask your question, and then I'm going to mute you after your question so it doesn't turn into like a 10, 20-minute dialogue. I hope that's okay with everybody. Hi, California. You have a question? Sometimes they have to unmute themselves. California, I'll come back to you. I'm going to go to Massachusetts. In Mass. Hi, Massachusetts. Uh, I took myself off the computer, Ellis. I'm just talking from the phone. Um, thank you for uh, your information here, Dr. Aaron, and coming on. I appreciate that. Um, you said you are now no longer a target. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that, that, that's right. Um, well, congratulations. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, how, did, how did you manage to escape it? <laughs> Well, let, let me let me just say that um, this this is I don't know if this is a permanent thing. Um, I, I have been after those harrowing and terrifying and and criminal events that happened to me, and the, and the size of the network that um, that perpetrated this against me, I became very careful about um, 
about my disability. So I've intentionally stayed. Um, my life has not been functional. I, I, I have to go. I have to regain some visibility to have a functional life. I, my, my employer doesn't even know where I live right now. Um, and I did have help from family. So, so I made a, a radical move. Um, also, when I, when I finally realized that I needed to um, get, get the hell out of Dodge, I did so in an um, unpredictable, abrupt way, and I gave none of my friends prior notice of what I was doing. So I, I think those factors played into it, into me being able to, to um, temporarily um, escape my targeting. Hmm. No, that's that's very interesting. I mean, just from what I what I understand, and I don't know a lot about it, but that they're able to uh, track targets. They have a list of us, um, you know, by our brainwave activity. So no, no matter where you go, um, you really can't get away from it. But if if you were if you obviously managed to escape it, I mean, you know, like I said, more power to you. You know. Well, um, my my personal view. Um, or I'll, I'll I'll keep it to my story. I'll, I'll say that when when this targeting goes on, for me, there were certain things that happened that were so new and so outlandish and so unbelievable that I was grasping for explanations, and um, and those explanations we have we have to we have to be open minded about that. And and so personally. I think if they, if a network has a, an ability to track you with with amazing abilities, that one might think that that it sounds reasonable that they're doing that with brainwaves. But my personal, okay. as a neuro as a neuroscientist, I would say that that te- that technology were not there for for them to do that. They would have to be in close proximity using a helmet like device on you, and um, we we don't have the like the satellite network technology capable of of tracking people around with their signature brainwaves. That's my personal opinion. I know there's fantastic stuff going on and I'm not trying to discredit um, other, other views at all, but I think that a lot of this is done with human and what, 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 would be, what you could call human intelligence and just having a lot of eyes on people at the street level. And, and that's um, consistent with me being able to break the perimeter because I, some friends of mine, former friends of mine, turned out to be part of this stalking network. Had I even told one of those people about my plans, uh, they could have um, they could have tracked me to my next location. So, um, so, so they have a, a just using human intelligence type tactics. I believe they have a great ability to follow you, and I don't think that you necessarily need to go to high high tech. Um, hypotheses to explain that stuff. That's just my personal opinion. Well, thank you for answering his question. Um, now I'm going to go to Missouri, North Missouri. Uh, what about molecular nano... What about molecular nanotechnology in the brain? Sorry? Um, oh, she, she, she asked uh, um, about molecular nanotechnology. Oh, okay, sure. I just didn't hear it. Basically, basically nanotechnology implants. So um, that, that's not, I can't say that that's my area of expertise. Um, I'm, I'm 100% behind people that are concerned about 
the dangers of new technology and the fact that the intelligence community and their their dark research is way ahead of where we are that 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 is all certainly true um i've never i've never come across i mean in in my research experience we they were tracking technology for fish for example that used chip chips and rfid readers but those required um chips that were uh, like the size of a grain of rice and an rfid reader that would that the fish would swim past only a, only a meter or two away or you would wave a wand over so um when it i think we have to be careful about um invoking super high technology because in so doing we miss the point of how I think a lot of this is going on and that is just a lot of people on the ground using eyes on type technology so I think there's a potential danger or a red herring in invoking too many high-tech um, hypotheses or possibilities because that leads us down the road of blaming the intelligence communities. I'm, I'm not saying they're without blame. There's a lot of corruption and a lot of uh, overreaching in, in the intelligence operations. But if we blame, if we place the blame there, what we will do is we will distance the federal government. We will, we will actually hurt the cause um, possibly because uh, the, the blame naturally goes to the intelligence communities when we invoke those kinds of answers. But having said that, I, I, can't, I can't really say, I can't speak to that technology, and I know there's a lot of stuff out there that is super high-tech. That's, that's not really my area. I'm, I'm answering based on what I saw during my experience, and I didn't need to invoke... Um, super high-tech explanations, although you may think a cannon-sized electromagnetic pulse generator is pretty high-tech and pretty science fiction. But um, nanotech and satellites, I just, I just can't speak to any of that. And I didn't see any evidence of that in my particular case. Okay, well, thank you. You know, that is a, that's a topic that we sometimes discuss and so I know that's a, yeah, it's a popular thing, and we're always trying to learn new information about that. Well, thanks, Missouri. I will, I will quickly say that um, I, I don't think we should – I don't want to stifle or discourage discussions on any possibilities. Um, I'm, just, I'm just providing my one voice that in my particular case, um, everything that I experienced and saw – could potentially be explained by by mundane tactics in my particular case. We appreciate that, and I love how you say that and how you worded it. Okay, West Massachusetts. Hi, West. Sorry, Ma I'm. Yep. Okay. Hi. Sorry. Go ahead. West Massachusetts. Yeah. Sometimes people. We'll put their phone on mute. I'll come back to you. Just hit me. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now, yes. Okay. Um, I have a question. I, I've been getting terribly harassed. I have uh, 24-7. Uh, I have a feeling this has been going on since 1997. 
it hasn't been, uh, you know, it was very subtle. I didn't really know what I was being targeted. But uh, I have been laying in bed at night putting cold packs, you know, like the little bubbles with water, those like cold pack things. And I put it on my head and I can hear like pitter patter. Like I can hear them hitting me with something. It's like a pitter patter. And I don't know if that's microwave because I have V2K terrible. And I don't know if that's, um, I've just been, uh, go ahead. Oh, um, uh, sorry to hear about your your ongoing targeting. Um, I, I know how hard it is, and I I managed to get away from targeting for a while. Um, but let me let me ask you: when you put these cold packs, are, are these like the gel packs that you freeze uh, with the blue stuff on the inside? Yeah, but they're they're not really gel. I think it's more fluid that you know more watery than gel. But anyway. Okay, and when you um, when you put them by your head, and then um, are they frozen? No. At the time, they're not frozen. Okay. No. And then and then when you perceive this auditory effect, are you perceiving it as coming from outside your ear or or coming from somewhere in your head? In my head. Okay, so um, I was going to say that to me it sounds like there's two possibilities. Um, one is that uh well I have one more one more question first is there pain associated with this uh there there is pain in my head or at the time when you hear at the precise moment when you hear the click is there also a sense of pain on on your skin or in your or hitting your head um sometimes not always okay um it sounds like if, if you're perceiving the sound as as, uh, as a click inside your head, I would say that that's consistent with um, the microwave auditory effect. But you said it only happens when the packs are are there. No, I get the I get V two K twenty four seven. No matter where I am. So you you you're, you asked if um when you have these packs near your head that that's when you hear the clicks. That, then it's like physical evidence that something's going on, like I'm being something's projected at me because it's that pitter patter constantly when I have those on my head, and I can even see the water like jumping around <laughs> in the in the pack. So I know that I'm just wondering what kind of weapon would be like make those pitter patter. Um, you know, it's like a particle type. You know what I mean? Um. Sure. I, I well, I can um, I can give a few comments on on what you said. So I, I would say first of all that um, the directed energy weapons in my in my experience they can be tuned in any number of ways or modified. They can produce very small pulses, very brief pulses. I mean, and if, if a if a brief pulse um, were to strike your your head and have the sufficient energy that could produce a brief click in, in your in your head via the microwave auditory effect or what people call V2K. Um, if it is a continuous beam, then it would uh, then it could produce a, a longer sound. And if that beam is if that signal is modulated in different ways, it can produce either a buzz or um, potentially a synthesized voice. 
Um, not not potentially, it, it can produce a synthesized voice. Um, but you mentioned evidence, and the the trick with all of this is converting any of any of what we experience, what targeted people experience, into evidence. That's that's a that's a very tricky thing, and um, you would have to design careful scenarios, controlled scenarios, in order to convert or or sell anything that you record or document as evidence. In in my 500-page report, I will say I only have two pieces of evidence that I can take to authorities, one of which has been partially verified and one of which remains to be verified, but that was that was after a lot of effort and a lot of um, doing everything I could to, to gather evidence. Gathering evidence is... is um, is very difficult, which is why this situation is ongoing. But I, I do have um, another comment also, and that is um, evidence that is consistent with directed energy attacks and which one day might be uh, potentially usable in courts of law uh, under the right circumstances or if, if, um, if, we, can, if we can develop this approach is I, I have seen videos in which um, people – are being harassed by a directed energy device and they're filming. And, and then uh, there's a great one by um, uh, a YouTuber who goes by the name of patient man of God, which I cited in my report. And he, he's actually at a, at a, at a pond where he's fishing. And one of the perpetrators, um, he can tell that this person is firing a handheld direct energy device at him. And he's narrating in the video and he's shooting with a camera. I think it's, it might even be mounted on his glasses, but it has an audio track. And as he approaches this, um, this perpetrator, this, this alleged perpetrator, uh, you can start to hear an audio corruption on the video. It starts to, it's a buzz, and the buzz increases in amplitude as he approaches this perpetrator. Now, that's not, that's not uh, you know, smoking gun evidence. But what, what that's consistent with and what I think is happening is that the signal from that perpetrator is causing an induced electric current on the audio track of his video camera. And consistent with that, as he approaches the perpetrator, the amplitude goes up. And you can hear this buzzing sound. That's, and, and, in, and when he gets close enough to the perpetrator, you can barely hear the audio anymore. It's being totally corrupted by this, by this outside signal. And uh, I just mentioned that because going forward, these types of um, converting, uh, converting directed energy signals into audio while videotaping at the same time might be one thing that could be developed into something that could be used as evidence in the future with the appropriate development. I recognize that as something that, I, that I'm convinced was caused by the directed energy but obviously selling that to a court, there, there are other possible explanations. So it would need development. But I, that struck me as something that could, could possibly be, we could think about developing that as a, as a method of collecting evidence. Um, the, other, the, the, other, the, the only other possibility there, which is, a, which is a real possibility, is that the microwave signals are, are in fact interacting with the water in, the, in, the, in those ice bags microwaves um, rapidly heat water, and that could be causing uh, 
those those um, auditory effects that that listener just mentioned. But um, but there are so many other explanations that uh, that we can't really claim that to be evidence of anything without without a lot more careful control. So so um, all of us know that we have to be really careful in what we claim to be evidence because um, when you claim something to be evidence, even if it is valid evidence, if it is not um, specific and irrefutable evidence, then it makes the, the, the claimant or the person who's making the allegation look like they're reaching and it actually can hurt the cause. So claims of evidence, and even my own, that, 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 that includes these two pieces of, two pieces of evidence that I have, uh, this, uh, this is going to require validation and some careful looking before those will, will actually be bona fide, genuine pieces of evidence. Well, well, that was an excellent answer, and you have some excellent questions, too. Um, thank you for that. Um, okay, so now I'm going to go to, yeah, those are amazing, amazing answers you're giving. Okay, Central Texas, I'm going to come to you. Hi, Central Texas, um, you're on the air. Do you have a question for Dr. Aaron? Texas. Okay, Texas, I'll come back to you. Give me another second here. Okay. Oh, I heard her. It sounded like an Arctic. Hi. Oh, sorry about that. I had to put myself on me as well. Um, I was just saying in the very beginning, it sounded like a device called the Arctic laser that he was describing. And that was the, the Arctic was laser? Device. Yeah. Are you talking about the large um, EMP the generator? Laser. Yeah, yeah, but it also has a laser on the end that it'll look like it's big than small. Oh, oh, that okay. So uh, that's not the large EMP generator, which I I'm fairly. Nah, uh, so there's I, several I, models. I, uh, you're talking about the the visual harassment device that I that I visual mentioned. Harassment. You, you 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 thought that was like the, the Arctic laser? Yeah, it, it sounds like that. Okay, thanks. Um, I'll 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 look into that. I would uh, I would like to uh, check that out. But um, I did I did find one um, YouTube posting, I think by a, a person whose last name a man whose last name is Duran I think, um, uh, who who photographed some visual harassment with red lights that I thought were um, similar to what I experienced, but uh, but I didn't come close to knowing that this might be the Arctic laser. Well, thanks for the input and. Um... I'll go to, and again, guys, sorry, I'm going to mute you after the question just so everyone can get, um, have the opportunity. Okay, I'm going to come to Arizona. Hi. Hi, Arizona, you're on the call. Do you have a question for Dr. Aaron? Yes, I do. Um, hi, Dr. Aaron. I've stayed many times exactly in that Hello. area in Vancouver. Hi. That area in Vancouver is so beautiful, it's sad to hear what has happened. I've stayed there many times and some of those high rises. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was, um, I moved there and I was trying to uh, build a, a a life there, an exciting life. And I was, that's, I went there with high hopes and uh, yeah, it was sad because um, my life was completely turned upside down and temporarily devastated by this. 
And so um, I have a home not too far away, um, kind of out in the boondocks up by um, Lambs Lake. But I wanted to ask you, what year did this happen to you, and how long did your targeting last? Uh, well, since I just since I just wrote a manifesto on this, um, I can say that I know I know the timeline inside and out. So uh, the heavy targeting started on December 18th. 2015 so just a little over a year ago and I fled Canada I fled Canada after being mysteriously locked out of my own apartment with a bag of evidence after having disguised myself by buzzing all my hair off and putting on a suit and an unusual and a and a unfamiliar pair of glasses I literally disguised myself and managed to walk around for a while undetected on January 28th of 2016 um and 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 uh that that day i took the bus i was i was um electronically harassed on the bus new stalkers showed up at the bus stop and then and then that evening my cousin um picked me up that evening of january 28th 2016 and we sped off and that was that that broke that broke their ability to con- to follow me any further. Fortunately, it was just a, it was just the right circumstance. Um, so, so a year ago and my targeting lasted for, I think a little over six weeks. Actually, um, I take that back. That six weeks period, that six week period was the heavy, was the heavy targeting where we, we went from, we went up to, up to 10 on the intensity scale. Well, there might be an 11, but that would be probably almost like a, a death type experience. Um, I was up near, near 10, but, uh, in retrospect, um, they were actually doing low intensity electronic harassment on me in, in my apartment, um, for about eight months before that. And that, that's a retrospective observation. Um, and I can get into that a little bit if you if you want. And then and then I would say the entire time I lived in that apartment, I was being gang stalked in a, in a, in, an, in this unusual sort of downtown setting, different from like the street level gang stalking. So really, my harassment um, was the entire time I was in that apartment. You know, at a slowly ramping up level, but this intense targeting, where I where I was in pain, being having pain inflicted upon me remotely um, lasted about six weeks. I have experienced what you're talking about, the pulsating machine, and it is very frightening, and um, it made me feel like I was having a heart attack, and it did knock me out. And yeah. So, uh, uh, and it's really it's a, very easy to do because a lot of those high-rises, they are. They're just all glass. It's yeah, and... and um, uh, it's, it's, it's Vancouver, actually, I, I've uh, I've heard other accounts of electronic harassment, and um, I got in touch with some real experts in this area, and and they they agree. I, I've talked to a few people now. Vancouver, British Columbia, is is a hotbed of electronic harassment, and the city, if if I can speculate on it, um, the city is perfectly designed for it, because you have high density residential setting um electronic harassment can be done from from 
high rise to high rise. It, it's a, it's a very difficult. It's a, like it's like a three dimensional setting. Whereas the countryside would be a two dimensional setting. There you have a three dimensional setting, making making it even harder to find out the source. Right. And on top of that, you have a city that has a major drug problem and a major uh, population of homeless people, which are not the only recruits for organized stalking, but right. but they tend to be common ones, I believe. And so you have this uh, city full of full of willing young people that are willing to sadistically destroy lives, torture people, strip them of their human rights, and have free reign. The government, by not doing anything, is giving them free reign, carte blanche, to do this. Yeah, it's just too bad. I was there in, I think, 2008, 2007, and it was still very nice. There wasn't a lot of homeless people. Um, You know, I was remarking with my friends, you know, how nice it was, and so I did travel there a lot, so it just breaks my heart to hear what's happened. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for the comments. Let me um, follow up with just one more thing, which um, uh, I hope hope these – shows are listened to by by people who aren't victims. I know that most of the, the listeners are victims, but it, it would be great if this if this information can start um getting heard by non victims. And um what what I'd like to just follow up on the, that little uh, interchange there with that caller is that to a non victim all of this th- that we're talking about, all of this can be done in a way that's happening silently and invisibly in your very midst, which makes it easy for non-victims to, to, um, to say, this is not going on. This is not happening. Because we're used to using our, our sense. We we're highly visual creatures. Vision and hearing are, are some of our most important senses. And if, and if, um, if, if a phenomenon is unfolding itself, Without leaving an auditory or a visual trace, your brain is hardwired to to conclude that that, that that's not happening, and so that's that's what why these perpetrators are getting away with this stuff, and why the government is slow to do something about it, and why the general public doesn't know about this, because to so many people out there, Vancouver is an idyllic city where none of this is going on. You know, and and that's also why this form of harassment and persecution is so degrading, because when you are a victim, and and a and a mob attack is being perpetrated against you, in 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 the sight of of uh, bystanders and an audience of people, it is degrading because you are having pain inflicted upon you, and you can't even say something to a bystander that's right there. If you do, it just makes you look crazier. So this crime has these very sinister features. And of course, the the perpetrators of these crimes are capitalizing on those features. That is part of their game. And that is why this is such a, a sinister, disgusting problem. This is something that victims but also non-victims need to be very concerned about because um, it, it, it's, it's, it's not going to stop unless we get a real movement going here. 
and and it's a it's a very degrading dehumanizing crime it's 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 um it's a uh, psychologically torturous in many ways wow well you said it's very powerful um I agree with you 100%. And we do try to get this information out to non-TIs. Um, <clears throat> I know some people have used it to provide evidence. Um, and so it is getting out, and I myself share links with many, many non-TIs. Um, and other people will use it to or present it to their family um, in different scenarios. So, yeah, hopefully more and more it will start to get out. Um, so Yeah, I, 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 um, I know that's happening, and I, I actually want to thank you for your efforts in that because um, – when you had uh, Kirk Wiebe and uh, who, who was it? It was Bill Binney. Um, yeah, and Bill Binney. Um, that's a, a great example of non-victims who are who are um, very important and very thoughtful and and kind non-victims who are starting to um, think about the, these issues and and help in their own way. And also um, my family. My family supported me. It took it, it took some time, and uh, but uh, I'm a victim who was able to turn to his family, and uh, they they got behind me in my efforts. And um, so yes, there is movement. Um, um, hopefully, we'll just we'll just keep the ball rolling in that direction. Okay. Well, thank you again. I'm going to go to uh, Melinda. I'm going to go ahead and mute you. Hi, Melinda. Hi, uh, Dr. Hello. Aaron. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, you're here. Uh, you uh, you have a wonderful spirit and uh, energy, and uh, sorry that happened to you in such a horrible way. Quickly, uh, I do get military flyovers um, every day. Uh, Air Force, Navy helicopters. I get Ospreys. I get uh, Chinooks and, and uh, Apaches. So, I'm not saying anything has to do with the government, except this is not in the flight pattern of any um, military. So it is strange. I do want to ask you, however, did how did you get to your building? Did you find it in the classified? Did you have a broker? And where did you live before? And the same question, how did you find your uh, living space before? Uh, I found, and going back, that I was steered to my last three apartments. The, the last two, they were gaining information and, and breaking in in the second one and doing strange things. I didn't know what was happening. When I moved into this one, everything happened. So I was just wondering if you feel you were steered into that uh, that apartment. Okay, thanks for the question, Or the Melinda. one before. Uh, yeah. Uh, so um, I, I, don't, I don't have any evidence of that. In fact, um, that, that did, I don't think that happened in my case because I wasn't targeted when I moved. I wasn't targeted in Seattle at all. Um, mm. And um, and then when I moved from Seattle to Vancouver, I used um, Craigslist to find an apartment. Mm. And, um, and then the targeting all slowly emerged as I was sitting there. I, I'm a targeted individual who became targeted sitting on his sofa looking out his window that that's where it didn't start on the street. It didn't start by any kind of altercation or I didn't piss anyone off. Um, so 
what I conclude from that and what I conclude from my observations is that I just, I think that the, the most parsimonious explanation, the, be, the, the easiest explanation that makes sense to me is that I, in fact, moved in to an epicenter of this activity. In fact, what I like to look at as a downtown center of training activity for stalkers and a reward system for those stalkers, those crazy weekend-long parties that would go on in that, in that medical building of all places was, was a reward system. And the people sneaking around on the roof, you know, harassing people and learning how to hide was how they trained their new um, sets of recruits. And um, if that sort of training, if that amount of training is going on, then, then that's suggestive that, or an indicator that this is a growing problem. So that's, that's my personal explanation. Um, I don't even think my landlord is, is in, I, I, have, I saw no evidence that my landlord is in on this. And the landlord is the first person one might assume that's the first suspect if your house is rigged up with devices. But imagine this, and I think this is going on in Vancouver. Properties can be sold with devices in, in place already. And if the network knows about that, those devices can be co-opted later and the, the new owner or the landlord doesn't even know. In other words, this, this is a serious problem because um, your, your, your property that you buy could be rigged. You could be a um, potential victim to this in your own home from, from pre-installed hardware. Now, that's all I'll say on that topic. Um, there's, there's one piece of physical in-the-hand evidence that I need to confirm before I can say in an, in an irrefutable way that my apartment was pre-rigged. But I do have samples from the apartment that, that, that I can ask that question with. But, um, Melinda, I, I, um, I, I hope that answers your question. I, I didn't have any history or anyone steering me. I, I didn't see any evidence of that. Um, and, and I based that on the fact that I was newly targeted after, after moving into that place. And, and, and no one, when I, when I was, I'm, I'm often a loner. I, I did this move all by myself. I was making all those decisions in my head. I wasn't consulting with anyone. I was using Craigslist. So um, I just uh, had the misfortune, or if I'm an empowered individual and I am going to do something about this and something constructive, then I had the fortune of being the person who moved into that apartment because I didn't just run away. I, I'm going to try to do something constructive with my horrible experience. Wow, what a great answer again. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to come to Linda. Linda has a question. Linda Costanzo. Hi, Linda. Linda? I think your phone's on mute. Hi. Is Linda a, a, a regular caller? <laughs> yeah, I'm a regular caller. Hi, doctor. I, I, um, I, I thought you were a regular caller because uh, your yeah, first and last name came out, and I was like, "Whoa, that's that's not that anonymous." <laughs> well, no, I I have a I have a call myself on Fridays, and I I just I am who I am. Um, no, I'm not terribly anonymous, but oh heck. Anyway, doctor, 
Thank you so much for sharing your observations and conclusions. I think they're so logical. So, I mean, you really have, I really appreciated you, what you shared. I also want to well, ask thanks, you something. Thank you for saying that. That's that's really nice to hear. Oh, it's, oh, boy. I mean, I, I also, I so agree with you that their observations of us are probably from the ground, and that's why they know what we're doing is because they follow us. And they, you know, I don't know how they get that many people, but they sure seem to. Um, and, you know, I, I, when, I get, when it gets too technical, I too get into, I don't know about that, but I do know that I am stalked on the ground. You know, that I can, that I know for sure. Okay. Now, you said that you, okay, you wrote your 500-page report. Do you think that had something to do with their finally leaving you alone? <laughs> Absolutely. That's <laughs> good. So, that, so that's we, why. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that, um, <laughs> no, no, okay. Uh, okay, there's two ways of interpreting that. that. Yeah. Uh, I think you meant that in the sense, did they leave me alone because I wrote this? Yes. Okay, no, no. That okay. I, I, I meant it in, I wrote this because they left me alone. I, the only way I was oh. able to write this is because oh. I escaped the targeting. But they didn't, oh. they, they made an attempt to continue stalking me. Uh-huh. Um, it, it was a, uh, I mean, okay, so the scenario is this. I, I abruptly left Vancouver without giving any of my circle of people in Vancouver any prior notice. And mm-hmm. because I didn't get any moving van, it must have taken them by surprise because I, I just left. I left, yeah. I abandoned, I lost all my things in this, yeah. in this little escapade. I was harmed greatly by that. But um, so I, I, I broke away from Vancouver. That's how that's how frightened I was. But they still managed to get people on the bus that I that I took because I bought the wow. bus ticket only one yeah. day before I left, and mm-hmm. and they managed to get a um, a ragtag. I will say this to the Seattle stalkers: you guys are ragtag compared to the Vancouver <laughs> stalkers because your team was 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 untrained and had had poor tactics compared to the Vancouver. You guys were nothing compared to Vancouver. When I, when I got to Seattle, um, a few people showed up and tried to continue the, the stalking there. But it was, uh, I think Seattle is a subordinate of the Vancouver network. And, um, and, and, and I knew I was so frightened and so harmed by this, uh, by this situation that I knew I had to take steps to to keep off the radar. I knew that. And and so because I wanted to write this report. So I was only able to write this report because my because my stalking and electronic harassment ended. When you're under electronic harassment, it's hard to even function. It's hard to do oh, yeah. anything. Yeah. And it's and so um I I intentionally set up the situation. My driver's license that I have from Washington doesn't even have my current address on it. I was taking extraordinary steps to, I don't even have a lease right now. So, um, so I took that question opposite from the way you meant it. Um, yeah, but it sounds now, like you really disappeared well. I mean, yeah, you, really, uh, you know, you did a good job. I mean, it's hard. Well, we, 
it's hard to know how anybody can escape this because most of us can't haven't been able to do that yet. So this is good to hear. But but um, no no it's it, okay. A lot. You're 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 an excellent. You're a fun caller because we got a lot going here. <laughs> but let, yeah. let me just say. Yeah. Um. It was a it was a major cost to my life to escape to get off their radar. Most people, I, I took I took extreme steps, and I I had to. I lost all everything. I lost everything, and I and my entire circle of friends I lost. Uh, I I had my family looks at me differently, although they've slowly come around, and I literally left everything behind. So. I wouldn't exactly call that a, um, a model for what people should do. That was a, that was yeah. a, an extreme move, but they they harmed me so badly, and I was so violated, and I knew that I had some things to say in my manifesto. So I um, so I said, hey, I've already abandoned my stuff and fled for my life. I'm just going to take a, another year and take a couple more steps, and just go off the grid and, and do this. Um, but I, I, I want to go back to your original question because sure. I interpreted your question reversed from the way you meant it. Now, right. your question was, uh, did, is my report a shot across the bow that will keep stalkers at bay? Yeah. That remains to be seen. Yeah. And I will get back to you on that one because Good. I might be – I'm at the top of the list now for sure. Once this report, once they get wind of this report, I'll be at the top of the list and it'll just be a question of, is there another list that says, leave this guy alone because we're afraid. <laughs> and do I get put on that list? Do I get put on that list? So, um, and also, but um, it's unclear how networked these, these um, organizations are. So, right. of course, the Vancouver network has strong connections in the Pacific Northwest. Sure. And they might even have a, a satellite in Tokyo because there's some cross traffic there. But uh, how, how efficiently do these targets get passed around and what's the reciprocal agreements between these networks? And, and my hope is that as more and more victims become targeted, that's, that's not my hope, but as this becomes a bigger and bigger problem, these guys have a, have a task that is uh, becoming harder and harder for them to manage too. So um, it, it might be hard. They're getting targets all the time. I mean, how can they manage that, that workflow? So um, it remains to be seen. Uh, Hopefully they will implode, you know, at some point. Hopefully this, these stalkers, the, the bad guys will implode. It will get, it will get, they won't be able to control it as well. I think I'm hoping. I, I hope so. I hope so too. And um, one fascinating sort of sociological or behavioral observation I made during my targeting is that um, I had some interactions that were intense and poignant and even beautiful in a certain in a certain bizarre way. And that is, I witnessed certain stalkers showing empathy and almost even. Uh, sympathizing with me uh, and 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 showing showing um, showing even even crying. I, I I had those interactions, and and that that gave me this impression that that um, a lot of the perpetrators are being controlled in a 
in some kind of a, a fear-based system. They, they got into something that they don't want to be part of. And, and this, is, this is a hope for this to cause it to implode too. I will, I will say I feel strongly that when the House of Cards does start to come down in a real way, we will see a lot of the low-level affiliates and perpetrators running away from this and, and, yeah. and, and potentially providing um, inside information on, on, on what's going on. And uh, only the really sadistic ones will continue doing it. But that's all speculating on a glorious future that we're still trying to get to. <laughs> well, I think it's a pretty good speculation. Um, you know, I, I, that's very nice to hear. They will probably be running for protection too, you know, and the, the lower-level guys will probably need protection from the upper-level guys. You know, I agree but, with you. They're probably using fear to control these guys. Yeah, but so what, one, one thing, last uh, comment, and then maybe we should go on yeah. to another caller. Sure. Last, sure. Co- last comment on that is that um, going forward, I think that um, we need to keep something in mind as, as part of the solution here. And, uh, and this might sound this, – this is going to be hard for some people to – to accept or to or to agree with, um, but that is this, this is a systems level phenomenon that is a monster that it's running. No single person is is behind this. The, the, the network is a is an emergent system that has features that are kind of running by themselves, and in in this mix, ordinary people have gotten swept up into this, and so part of the answer to solving this will be to actually um, be the bigger person and have some empathy for some of the people that are participating in this. And I, and, and, and the, and the people at the top deserve serious punishment for this. And I, and I, and I will never, I, I want justice to be done, but there are a lot of people that are being manipulated along the way. And I can, I can see how people that don't have, intrinsic empathy or aren't that thoughtful but are still you know pretty much okay people the average people could get swept up into this and actually if we if we think of um avenues for those people to get out of this in a in in an empathetic way that will be part of the solution but the people at the top need to be punished badly for this for sure good thank you very much Thank you very much for for talking to us. Um, th- thank you for your call. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I'm going to come down to Grebe. Hi, Don. Oh, very very good. I I was I'm amazed at your insight to this. Uh, um, th- what what I wanted to add is the cognitive dissonance that some people that are doing it, like from the higher levels, like in medical with the medical. Uh, ambush with the devices in their offices and and then the only other thing is in the country if they do set up you know try to go after you they'll they'll get a high point like the vents in their house you know so that that that's all i had to add so. uh, well uh, uh, thanks for that um comment um and you um your comment made me think of uh two related things to say in response um first of all the um the intriguing connection with the medical building across the alley, yeah, right. which I've which which I which I've identified actually. Uh, I didn't mean to do that, 
for legal purposes, but um, anyone who knows anything about Vancouver will know exactly which building I'm talking about. But one intriguing possibility is that um, medical devices that emit radio frequency energy, which there are many, of which there are many, could easily be modified into some of these pain-inducing, handheld, concealable devices. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's being done, but it's, it's just an idea. You know, you have, like, um, devices that do skin resurfacing and uh, ablate varicose veins. You have physiotherapy devices that, that um, put uh, radio frequency energy into the body. You have uh, what, what, um, diathermy. You have all these devices and companies that sell these things. And what these amount to basically are small amplifiers and energy sources that are the size of clock radios and a waveguide or a cable which is connected to a handpiece. A lot of the devices are, are, are that, basically. Now, that, if you add a capa an ultra-capacitor or a battery to that device, it's, now someone can carry that around in a, in a purse, the, the energy source, and the waveguide can run inside their sleeve, um, and, and they, might, they can have a modified handpiece that could be an emitter that they're holding in their hand, or somehow cleverly conceal on, on their skin or yeah they and, conceal it like in a cell phone or a laptop they, they mount them in those but um what, what i saw what i saw glimpses of or indicators of um yeah can you guys hear the canadian geese in the background yes um, that, that, that's that's a that's a great backdrop uh for vancouver for a story about vancouver canada but um anyway what what I saw glimpses of in my, and this is this is this is like informed speculation. This is not concrete, but I saw basically uh, people carrying around tote bags and, but it wasn't it wasn't like the bag was emitting it. They actually had that connected to a cable, and then the cable was being aimed, sometimes cleverly disguised on their skin, covered up with with uh, makeup. Um, and then the emitter was actually on their hand, attached to their hand. And so they could be in a, in a restaurant and doing these, these exaggerated hand gestures. And every time they did a gesture, and of course, this was a, this was a mob of people. So this was like five people around me. And my evidence or my, my, um, my uh, uh, reason for thinking that this is how they were doing it is that every time their hand gesture swept, swept my way, I would feel the beam sweep across me. And then as their hand swept back, the beam would sweep back. So the, the main point I want to make is that the, me, the medical supply industry has all kinds of raw material for making pain-inducing direct energy devices. Not lethal devices, but devices that can still be used to harass people. And in the public mob attack scenario, the goal is for several perpetrators to simultaneously irradiate a target. And if five people are doing it, the effect is additive. So now you have a five times as strong effect because all that energy coming into you adds up. So that's one, one comment. I wanted to make that link. Um, and then um, 
Uh, I've, I've forgotten. Uh, what was what was the second uh, part of your comment? Because can you remember? Are you still on the line? I'm still here. <clears throat> I'm still here. Let me see if I can get him back on the line. Hold on. Uh, Hi, Don. What was the second part of your yeah. question? Oh yeah, I was muted. Oh no, what? Oh, I forgot what. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got I got on a I got on a tangent. I think that the geese. Um, uh, yeah, I've seen me. them in laptops. They followed me into uh, when I was on jury duty. They uh, burnt me there. Uh, see where else? And, you know, at a laptop, and then you know, a couple times different. Uh, they can disguise. Um, they can disguise. Uh, what with the right raw material, um, they they can disguise these things in a variety of ways. And I think um, the 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 capacities or the capabilities are getting miniaturizable. The, the very small devices don't do as much harm, but I make a, a point about this in my report is that um, uh, the effects are additive, and um, and so they can be really um, uncomfortable if a if a bunch of people are using small devices, and and not not only that, but um, even the fact that that someone can even give you just like a little tingling, a slight tingling that doesn't even really hurt that much. Um, it's the perfect harassment device because they can just say, by doing that, they can say, I'm here, we're here, I'm here. So it's just like touching you at a distance. It's like someone going around going, we're still here. And, and even that can be, can be, can be completely psychologically but, devastating. But the most deadly is ionizing, and they are using it um, to uh, ambush people in medical. I, I caught a a dentist doing it on a on a video I had a little camera that went off and it wasn't in my mind that he was doing it and I actually pushed the, the x-ray head I got out of the seat and I pushed away about a minute later but I still didn't have cognizance that that's what was happening and yet there was a perp you know the guy next door in the next booth was kind of controlling the dentist doing it but then on retrospective, uh, you know, I, I counted like five other times I was hit, and it's it's devastating, you know. And Absolutely. I, um, the the um, my hope that um, my hope that there are I would like to hope that there's a task force in the FBI that's already working on this, and that the reason that they haven't um, done anything openly for the electronic harassment. Is because they view the problem as not as not that damaging, and that they just don't know how to address a problem for which there's very little gatherable forensic evidence. But the FBI um, prosecute or, or, or uh, with an FBI operation, they prosecuted and convicted uh, two men for. Trying to build a, a death ray device out of an industrial grade yeah, X-ray machine. They dollars to do it. They gave him the money and encouraged him to do it. So it was an entrapment. That was entrapment. But but but, uh, the, the, but they're I still. Think, I think still it's a, between the different secret services that they're they're experimenting and they don't. It's like Russia knows a lot of stuff about the United States, but they won't say it. You know because they you know they're kind of operating on the same level in a sense, but. They they want they want to trade that off or something you know. And, but there is there is a there is a to me there's a silver lining to the um to the to the operation where they where they convicted those those men of trying to build that device. Now entrapment is a different issue, but the still there is one optimistic um, read on that, and that is at some point the FBI will take action 
on directed energy weapons. And, and so if, um, if these networks become um, dangerous enough, which I think some of them already are, is that, um, is that uh, the FBI has an interest in this issue. Now, of course, they used entrapment to, to, um, to investigate those guys. And so the, the real question is, it's a cost-benefit um, kind of analysis. It takes a lot of money to do a sting operation, and they're probably not willing to do that for mundane radio frequency electronic harassment. But maybe if enough people can show how, many, how much, how much uh, cost to society, how, how big the cost to society are, then we can get movement in that direction. But, but my read on it is that the FBI must be somewhere inside cognizant of this and keeping an eye on this and trying to plan for the future. That's at least my hope. Yeah, some are, I think. But but it could, I think it's Secret Service too, and, and they're probably, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just starting to figure it out. Well, um, I, I, I do have a, um, I, I think what you're hearing from me is that um, I, I do have some faith in the intelligence communities, and I'm and um, and I'm I'm kind of uh, painting a picture where this is more like organized crime. However, at the same time, I will say that that organized crime is very much flavored. For sure, it's flavored with the people that know about it the most about this are coming out of the intelligence communities. They're probably retired intelligence officers or law enforcement that know about this stuff, and they're they're probably uh, going to be uh, numbering um, among the people that are orchestrating this stuff. Um, so, because they because they have the knowledge of this, and they they're the one. Some of them are the ones, not not all of them. Some of them are the ones who probably got this stuff um, going in the first place and, and organized these networks. They're the ones in the know. So, I think if we ever get perpetrators brought to justice, we will see former law enforcement and um, intelligence. Uh, members of the intelligence community among the perpetrators. Some, not all, because those agencies are filled with a lot of good people as well. Hopefully, yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that answer as well. Okay, I'm going to get down to a couple more people here. Hi, James, you're on the air. You have a question for Dr. Aaron? James, we'll give him a second. We'll come back to you, James. Are you hanging in there okay? Yeah, I'm I'm fine. I have to keep switching hands because my hands are getting cold. But Okay. We'll just do a couple more questions. We have like three more here. Okay. California, you're next. Hi, California. As you can tell, I'm oh. having fun, so... Oh, good. That's good. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Allen, Dr. Aaron, and hi, Ella. It's Chris hi. Hi, Dawn. From Beaumont. Um, I've got a question. Do you think that the V2K is being done, like, remotely as in far away, or if that's something that's being done up close? Um, I personally never, never experienced V2K, but um, I did get um, really 
distinctive and interesting microwave auditory effects. So that would be basically a microwave auditory effect that wasn't modulated into a, into a voice. But um, the, the two phenomena are, are, are caused by the same exact thing. It, the only difference is the degree of signal modulation. And so I, I, can, I can speak to that. Um, I can give my opinion on that, on that question. I think, this is, I think this is being done in fairly close range to, to intermediate range. And so I'll, I'll give you, you a cross-section of the ranges. Of, and I base this on the following. Sometimes I had an eyewitness sighting of a device that turned out to be a directed energy weapon for sale on the Internet at the time of my assault. And so I call that a, a, a fairly certain estimate of the range in that, in that situation. Other times I saw people um, mm-hmm. moving containers or concealment objects and at this exact moment as they move those towards me or away from me I could feel the beam sweeping onto and off my body so I base I base some of my estimates on that and then the last uh, set of estimates is when I was attacked through the ceiling from the apartment directly above mine I assume that that was coming from the apartment (coughs) immediately above mine um, because at, at the time of those attacks I heard heavy footsteps I heard frequency modulation sweeps, like capacitors being charged um, right above me. So, so in the very powerful devices, like that electromagnetic pulse generator, uh, they, call it, they call it the EMP blaster gun, Gen 2, sold by Information Unlimited. Um, I was, I, 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 uh, my estimates of the, the distances in those attacks were anywhere from uh, 25 meters to uh, 400 meters. So that same signal, which caused microwave auditory effect in, in me, which was like a, 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 a tone, a high-pitched tone and a dinging sound, could be modulated to cause V2K. And so V2K, so, so I'm concluding that, that V2K could have been uh, piggybacked onto that signal, and that could be done up to 400 meters away, and, and pr- probably further. Um, but the smaller devices... My perception, my, my, uh, based on my own observations and perception, which are all somewhat tenuous, and as we all know for this, but, but there was a, an attenuation of the signal strength with distance. And those, those smaller devices that are, that are more like handheld or, carried or, or uh, taken around in suitcases or mounted on cars, those are operating in the range of anywhere from right next to you to 100 meters away or so. And, and the signal attenuates even through air. Air contains, um, contains water vapor, and, uh, and, and even the signal will, um, the beam will degrade by causing uh, vortices in the air and um, refraction problems. And so uh, my, my feeling is that... Um, that V2K with smaller devices and assaults with smaller devices are limited in range. They are going to be anywhere from the person right next to you up to 100 meters away or so. Um, so it depends on the size of the device. Um, and again, I, I, will, I will qualify that by saying I, I only had the run-of-the-mill vanilla 
microwave auditory effect, which was a high-pitched high pitched tone um, at the upper limit of my hearing sensitivity combined with a dinging, a dinging or a buzzing sound. And that dinging sound was at a lower frequency, like 40 cycles per second and, um, or, or, or 20 cycles per second. And I think that dinging, that dinging uh, component to, the, to what I was perceiving was, was related to their, their modulation of the signal, how, how, how they were chopping the signal up. And that modulation is done intentionally because 20 hertz alternating current is the perfect current to do things like uh, cause your muscles to twitch or induce an, uh, a seizure or, or interact with your heart. Um, but um, anyway, so, so that range of distances would be my, my estimation. V, V2K, with a powerful enough transmitter, V2K could be done miles away. Um, but I don't think anyone would invest in, in that kind of technology for specifically targeting a single person in most scenarios. Again, I think this all comes down to the use of boots on the ground and people willing to do this sadistic activity um, because for them it's fun. Okay, well, thank you. I'm going to go down to 929. Sorry, I didn't mean to be so abrupt there. I got distracted. Oh, no, no, that's, that's fine. Um, I, 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 I stopped because I was done. <laughs> you stopped abruptly and I, okay, here we go, 929. It was a slight pause between two abrupt stops. Sorry. You know, V2K is something that many of us experience, but you gave, you know, the fact that you didn't have V2K, you know, you still gave a very reasonable answer. Hello? Yes. Yes, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Thank you. Pretty good. Just wanted to say hello. Go ahead. Oh. Well, hello, how are you? Where, Where are you calling from? I'm calling from New York. New York? Europe. Oh. Yes. Oh, Europe. What country are you in? Oh, no, 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 Europe. New York. New York. Oh, that's I heard it right. New York. Um have you been uh have you been targeted in New York or stalked or electronically oh, harassed? Yeah, I have gone through I have gone through all of it <laughs> since 2010. Can you can you quickly share like um what what type of electronic harassment you is it from neighboring apartments or on the street well the the thing is i I get the stalking and you know I get the um you know with the cars and people um I get you know um i I'll feel like I'm in a microwave oven <laughs> sometimes you know that kind of feeling you know so you don't quite know what's going on, but I get it all of it and I have been completely like, you know, pretty much isolated. But yeah, I, I think um the, the the car mounted devices um is definitely something I experienced and I think uh, I think a lot of people have have um experiences with uh being being um assaulted while walking next to a road or even while driving in your car from other vehicles. Yeah, you know, it's like everywhere I go, though, you know, it's it's never-ending kind of thing, you know, since, it's, like I said, it's been 2010. 
Look, uh, can, do you mind if I ask you, are, are you from the Caribbean originally? No, 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 no. I'm from originally uh, Africa. So, oh, oh, I used to, I used to live in Africa. Um, ha- have you, have you been back and, and did you experience any electronic harassment in Africa? Oh no, I, no, I haven't been back for a long time, but I, I never experienced that. Like I said, maybe it was going on, you know, since I've been in this country for what thirty years, but you know, I became aware of the stalking and everything in 2010. You know, from after I went through some problem with at the job, you know, like uh, you know, it started from the job, and you know, when I after I left, you know, I went on involuntary kind of leave of absence. Can you can you speak up just a little bit louder? I I want to hear what you have to say. Oh yeah, I said after Better. I was put on involuntary leave of absence, and you know because after what they I think they call it mobbing kind of situation and yeah that yeah, and it it never stopped. It just fluctuates, you know. Sometimes you know they get stalking and everything. Even when I I try to you know get an apartment and you know move. And it's like I'm cornered on every side. That that kind of experience. Well, um, th- like th- uh, thanks for that comment. I actually have um, it it um, it made me um think of uh, something to say here. You you said that your harassment started on in the job situation, and I think that that type of a scenario where harassment emerges from someone's someone's work or interactions with other people is a, is a common theme. And my experience was different from that. I had harassment emerge out of the blue, um, which I, I know some other people report that as well, but I had it and I, and I, and I associate it with my proximity to this place. And I think the two kinds of experiences um, can tell us different things. And uh, when I hear about people being harassed um, and it starts in the workplace, that that can get to maybe some of the criminal profit-based motives behind this, potentially, um, uh, and 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 that's 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 um, I've been listening to a lot of accounts like that, but that's that's foreign to my account. That's not something I experienced, and so um, it, it's it's um, in some ways more frightening because implies that there's a system going on where people's names are being traded around for um, targeting and harassment, I mean, in the workplace? I mean, what kind of a company would want that going on at their workplace? Or or can they, or are, are they even in, in control of it? And um, what are the profits and motivations uh, driving this? Whereas my case, I would say, perhaps I gained some insights into seeing the network from a different perspective and maybe seeing it uh, before I was a target and seeing how one potential network, at least the one in Vancouver is, is operating. And I think um, depending on your, on your um, history with the targeting, we're seeing we're seeing different sides of the same systems, and uh, if we if we think about that, maybe we can uh, start to put together better models for how how this is all working. 
Well, thanks for that. Thanks for that information, and thanks New York for checking in and saying hello. We really appreciate it. And I have a, I have a, I see Bella has a question. Hi, Bella. Hi. Uh, is my phone making noise? I'm having problems. A little bit, but you know your phone typically does. But it's not too bad. It typically does. Okay. Yeah, it usually does, but it's not as bad as usual. Uh, you guys know each other, or that was a slightly sarcastic comment? Both. No, we, we know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I know Bella. Use, She's one of the Maya. best researchers. She has a really great site, um, information for TI's uh, WordPress document, and it's wonderful. So I really respect Bella, and she's been a moderator. So, yeah, Bella. Oh, um, thank you, you Ella. Thank you. Uh, sorry about the phone. It's a new phone, but it's not working correctly. Um, Dr. Aaron, thank you for being on. Uh, you said your uh, PhD is in neurobiology. Uh, yes, it's in it's in um, it, it's actually neurobiology and behavior. So it was um, mainly um, in a, in a department that works on animal behavior, okay. uh, everywhere from like the the neurobiology behind it to the ecology that affects it. Um, but in science, um, in biology, animals are used as models, but always the same processes um, work in humans as well. So right. it translates to humans as well. Right. Um, just, just a little bit of a, wanted to throw this in. I traveled from California to New Mexico. I have V2K. Uh, it's pretty much 24-7. And there was not a glitch in the targeting. On the plane, on the ground, it didn't matter. It was, it was seamless. So just to kind of keep your mind open a little bit about the, it being uh, remotely deployed, because I think it's, it is in many cases. Um, oh, um, okay, okay, um, abs absolutely. I, um, I don't want to at all imply that my conclusions are general or even the expected conclusions. Everything that, I, that I've said tonight was um, was based on what I what I experienced personally, um, right? And and I know that I know there's there's even in even in my case there were many different modes of harassment and many different types of devices. Um, and uh, uh, another thing that we should clarify is that all of this is being done remotely. The um, the uh, issue or the question is how what what's the what's the distance of remoteness? So you're you're saying that um, your experience is consistent with an influence that's very remote, yeah. Whereas I'm very. talking about an influence that's that's remote but within within the line of sight. Right, right. Because I do not a lot of traveling, but some, and it is. And again, it's been seamless wherever I go. But just because you are so knowledgeable for being in this such a short time, you know, we want you on our team. <laughs> So if you can kind of maybe, you know, look into that aspect, because a lot of our targeting varies, and I think that's purposeful um, to kind of keep us off balance. We're, we all vary just a little bit. So um, the other thing. Well, okay, uh, I, I would say that your, your, your experience or, or your history with this is um, – in those cases, then that's when 
the satellite hypothesis and the implant hypothesis both start to make a lot more sense when something is that continuous and that seamless and happening at that over that much of a remote distance. So those mm-hmm. those possibilities definitely need to be considered. Um, uh, I mean that that's 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 an astounding level of um, harassment, or or the or the cell phone, mm-hmm. or or like cell phone tower type type scenario, but to be able to to, to experience V two K seamlessly before, during, and after a flight that's that's mind blowing, and um, yeah. and and those possibilities are what we are uh, what we are up against. So um, I, I'm. I'm astounded um, by that, and and you're not the first person who who's reported that. So, right, no, and no. many of us, many I of us feel that. What Les said as well. I've been on airplanes and received mm-hmm. attacks. B2K. It doesn't matter where I go. It seems to be the same. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm out on the ocean, like when I was on a boat, I didn't, you know. But I don't know. Sometimes there's so much going on, you can't feel as much, or you can't hear. You know, you're, it's noisy, so maybe it's just all, you know, uh, muted out in a way. You know, with all the sounds, so. That's the only mm-hmm. time I kind of noticed um, some relative peace. Uh, yeah, actually, there, there's something that I, I wanted to say. You, you, you sort of, um, it's not, it's not exactly what you were getting at, but I'll, I'll just throw it in now. And, and that is, uh, you, you hear a lot of, of people talk about um, shielding solutions, and um, especially uh, wearable shielding, like um, fabrics that um, shield against uh, radio waves or microwaves. And and then people say um, that shielding did nothing, and and then um, that that makes them uh, you know wonder why why is the shielding doing nothing? How is this working? Is this something outside of physics? I, I'm not I'm not saying that that's this is a tangent that you just sparked in my in my head, but um, and and I wanted to make this point earlier when the reason I think that the fabric shielding is only partially effective. And we shouldn't expect more of it. Is is when um, is when you uh, it's like if if you shine a flashlight through a cotton garment, the light still goes through a little bit. It attenuates the little, a little bit. So um, shielding in that scenario, you you shouldn't have great expectations for wearable shielding. Now I apologize. That was a complete tangent with what you said, but it you, you <laughs> made me think of it because um, uh, these different uh, these different modes of of attack and um, and our conclusions from them, we just there, there's so much there's so much to take in, and, and clearly clearly they're throwing a lot at us, and that's that's part of the game. Absolutely, a lot of us think this is a partly human experimentation as well, and the other thing is nanotechnology. I don't know if you're if you've studied that, but um, I, I've written about it a little bit, but I'm I'm not uh, I'm I'm not um, a, a science. I, I'm not I don't do nanotechnology at all. So, okay. um, well, what, about I the mean, human we, experimentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, experimentation is being done for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, even the people, whether this is a like a government level experiment or or groups of ordinary people acting as stalkers, they are messing with people 
in a behavioral experimental way. And even I, I had that um, feeling when I was being harassed because they're constantly um, looking at how individuals respond to these things. I remember one time um, before the, the uh, harassment got overt and I was, I was um, interacting with those people across the alley. And uh, I remember one of the messages that I, I put on a, on a big piece of cardboard and, and held up to my window one time at the, at the shadowy figures constantly partying and doing dirty things in that medical building. I, I, I made a sign that said, I feel like a rat in a cage. And I just held it up to my window. Mm. Well, just because, just I, because I think they, they know. Yeah, I, they they certainly know that. There's so much information about this. I mean, looking at it from a systems level, from the big picture, from a worldview, down to the very, you know, uh, microscopic or micro level. So, I mean, there's so much to learn about this. And um, I, I mean, it's just my this is just my opinion that could this could be tied into other programs that are government funded and, and government run. For example, the Phoenix program. So the more I, don't know. I, the, more I the more I think about it, um it, it I I am definitely coming at this. It's I think it's pretty clear from what I've said that um that my take on my experience was a more community local, level organi yeah. organized crime local local thing. Um but the effectiveness of that to to blow to blow my mind and destroy my life and inflict pain on me was so effective that certainly the government must be aware of it. So the temptation is there for them to be employing the same tactics on a grander scale for for sure. Uh, I'm I'm uh, and and maybe all and maybe uh, it really is. Um, being um, orchestrated at a government level, and and what I what I interacted with was just how they recruit a local community to do this. I, I mean, that's also possible. Well, yeah, I'm just kind of bringing that up to kind of open your mind to those possibilities that oh, you might my, my, that might, you uh, might my, be interested. Mm -hmm. my, um, I, I'm <laughs> trying to keep an open mind to those possibilities, and I, and uh, yeah. after after. Um, writing on this for a year, I, I, I have already become, I've been, I've been listening to you guys silently for a year, for half a year. Uh, I've been like a, every day listening, just listening. And, and, and um, what I, what I tried to do in my reporting of what happened to me is just conclude it the way I saw it for me. So that, mm -hmm. so that what, what I said is one voice, one one experience and one um, conclusion, and I just concluded in the way that made the most sense for me. But I, I, um, I don't think anywhere in my report do I rule out or or or, or discredit any other possibility. I think I was careful to do that because um, I don't have the answers, and I just I just made conclusions um, based on the way I saw it and and the way the evidence suggested it. But um, you're, you're absolutely right that um, there's something big going on here. And I'm going to say when, not if, 
because I think when when this all comes to light, I, I, I tend to be optimistic that way. And I think um, there's a lot of, I think most people are inherently good. And I think when enough exposure happens, people won't want to live in a world where this is going on. And so my, my prediction is that this, this stuff will get exposed. And um, when it does, and, and by exposed, I mean when, when the, the news is covering it and when you can have conversations about this and when everyone is talking about this, when that happens, it's going to be huge and it's going to, it's going to actually be um, like a, a social revolution. It's going to be um, uh, a major, a major social shift because we're going to have this issue to deal with and it's going to have so many implications. And one of the, one of the biggest implications has to do with human nature. And that is why, why, how could this happen if this is if this is being run by the government or being perpetrated by local organized crime either way a lot of people that we used to know in our normal lives are participating in this and and one really fascinating and important question is why 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 would people do that by doing that they're actually jeopardizing their own human rights because the system will get out of control and um and and uh, if this were happening to them, they wouldn't like it. So why why would people behave that way? And um, yeah, that's an I, interesting I think, question. <laughs> and I I think um, you you have some classic sociological yep. experiments, and you have some other psychologists that have, that have that have written about the influence of anonymity, and I think that's a key factor. And that is when people can get away with something, a an intrinsic but very dark side of human nature comes out. And that is a lot of people are willing to do very sadistic things when they can be completely anonymous. And we see that in the internet j- just with um, how people behave in, in in when they when they post stuff verbally. People can be or when they share pictures around people can be very cruel and and the reason is because the normal um influences in the village setting in the in the tribal setting how we evolved is accountability and visibility if you behave that way in your band you you were seen and you were censured for it and you were shamed for it but with electronic harassment, you can behave in a, in, a, in, a, in a shameful way, but never have to be shamed for that behavior. So, so that, that's, that's part of it. And also there's like a, a video game aspect to it. To, to a lot of people doing this, this, I'm sure this seems like a game. They're not victims, and they're just actually like in, in, engaged in a very sick video game because no one's talking about the costs of this. No one's, I mean, we are. But more broadly, the general public is not talking about the devastation and the costs of this and the harm that's done by this. And so it's all a big game. And uh, even getting a little bit of exposure, um, getting people talking about this, getting people aware of this will cause a sudden shift because a lot of people that are engaged in this uh, are are doing so because no no one's talking about this and no, no one's 
the stories aren't going into the mainstream media. But um, I, I think it really shows a very sinister side of of, um, of human nature that we really we really need to learn how to deal with this situation because other technologies are going to be developed in the future that will be even more dangerous than these than these uh, directed energy weapons. So, in general, we better learn how to deal with this problem. This this is a an opportunity in disguise for the world yeah. to learn to learn how to deal with emerging technologies. Um, and, and so, hopefully, on the on the other side of this, there will be new social institutions that will help us uh, deal with covert technologies. I mean, hopefully, that's where we're, we're headed. Well, the the media, <clears throat> excuse me, is very much compromised. Uh, I don't know if you've read any of Douglas Valentine's books, but he re he wrote about the Phoenix program. His latest book is CIA as Organized Crime, and it's he has he's actually interviewed uh, the CIA. They actually brought him in and talked to him. You have to read about him. It's kind of a long story how he got in. But I think as Americans and Canadians, we're, we're a bit sheltered about programs that exist or things, you know, just even propaganda. So, I mean, it, there is a big picture element to all of this in addition to the, the smaller picture. But I think it's important that we look at everything. I, and, I, and wholeheartedly, it is, yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree that we, that we are we are sheltered from from this because my worldview when when this I, I, I'm I'm kind of a, a an, I'm I'm the kind of person who's sort of innocent and willing to think everyone's great and, and gives strangers the benefit of the doubt and uh right. uh that's 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 the kind of person that I like to be and and before this happened um I could have never imagined this kind of activity going on in our society, Canada and the U.S., North America. But to people that, that have um, lived in repressive societies, this would be um, maybe less shocking. But we, yes. we, are, uh, we are naive. And th this caused, I mean, in, in the course of, actually this happened in, in the course of the first few days of my targeting, my whole worldview turned upside down. It was actually a fascinating process to go through. I really grew, I've grown as a person from it because I was, I was shown maybe a more genuine side of human nature. And I definitely, mm -hmm. I, I was shown a, a, a dangerous um, potential of, of, of the way that society, society uses technology and, and lies or keeps technology hidden. Um, from from general knowledge, and those are very dangerous things. And I think um, I think that no matter what, on the other side of this, society is going to have a lot of growing to do, or we're just all going to turn over and expose our soft belly to 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 being controlled by a few people. So um, we we better we better learn this. And I I mean any any people who are not um, thinking that this is an important issue are are gravely mistaken. Because this has huge implications, so I, I, I agree with you 100% there. Well, I, I also my late husband was in special forces in Vietnam, so I mean I was like you know 
flowers and puppy dogs and and but he showed me kind of the real world and how things can work uh in war during war and we we don't know that here we don't we haven't lived that but if you i i i really wish people would read about that program and uh it is a way for uh it's an informant system where the government you know brings in law enforcement and civic organizations to target people so um and in the informant system they can you know don't like the way you look and they'll put you in this on the blacklist so it's it's r- really nefarious yeah, anyway they're, they're i appreciate pro- you your insight and knowledge i really appreciate it well i i i'm just uh i'm just one of many but thank you for saying that and um I uh, I have been inspired by and learned from a lot of people um, in the last year. I just did it without ever participating in in the, in the discussions. I was just there listening um, and uh, folding that knowledge into what I was writing about and and trying to keep my writing to as I saw it, but also. Um, I hope I hope you you uh, get a chance to to read what I wrote. I think I, I wrote a, a few a few good um, passages in that in that uh, manifesto that I wrote. Mm, look forward to that. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks for your call. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for that. And again, um, maybe we'll take one more question because you sound okay still, but I'm starting to fade a little bit. So, um, and I think a couple other people too. Let's go to. Oh, there's so many questions for you. We might have to have a part two if, the, if you're up to it one of these days. Um, well, I, I, went, I went way longer than I, than I thought, didn't I? Okay, one more <laughs> yeah, question. That sounds good. Okay, one more. I'll just do New York. Hi, New York. Did Sean, did Sean send you a, a text message that said, cut him off, cut him off? <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, he's, he's like me. He's like, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, well, Thank you. all right. We don't, honestly... Um, we could listen to you for 10 hours. You've been my t- in the top three of my favorite guests I've ever had. I'm just so appreciative. Um, I think you're a real gem. And, you know, like I said, I'm just, you're just so impressed with you. And uh, I'm glad you were able to connect with Sean. And there's a couple other people, you know, we'd like to get you in uh, more contact with. And there's a couple of women that one one of them I don't think you've been in contact with. But, um, you know, there's some people we want to put you in touch with tomorrow. So um, hopefully we'll be able to speak tomorrow as well. Well, that, that 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 would be um, that would be great, and uh, I hope that um, uh, we'll we'll save this for another one. But maybe um, Sean and I will have uh, some something to report in the in the not too distant future. But yeah. uh, we'll save that for another time. Okay. Well, thank, thank you. you. Okay, thank New York, you. you're on. Thank you so much. Um, unfortunately, I'm not always listen, able to listen to all of the calls, and I got in, in and out, in and out. I missed a lot, unfortunately. That's not my choice, incidentally. Read between the lines. Um, I am so impressed that you were able to write through all of this. I've also completed a book over the past eight years, but it's not been easy because of the constant corruption of my computer. And uh, I don't know how you were able to write as much as you did, because even offline... They have total access to my computer. Next thing, I missed the one thing that you can answer in maybe two sentences. How are you able to get out of this? Do you have any idea? Um, 
I, I'll, I'll summarize again. Um, I, I spoke on that earlier, but um, um, I felt so violated by what happened to me. And quite frankly, I was fearful for my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I had already lost my job. And um, I, actually, I didn't say this part before, but when the devices in my apartment were activated um, and used to harm me, and I will save that the details of that story for another time, but I actually um, I concluded that those devices were that, that that technology was integrated into the drywall of my apartment, and I and I found that by actually ripping some of the drywall down during the assault and finding that. Um, that doing that attenu- completely eliminated the the energy and the beams coming from those parts of the drywall, and um, and that that was a that was a that was a flight or f- fight drastic move to to protect myself, but it also gave me the drywall samples, which have some unusual features that I think will be very revealing. Now, the point of all this is that I, I was already in a drastic place, having a large network of stalkers after me, having lost my job, having damaged my apartment, and, and a whole lot of other things that I haven't shared with you. And so at that point, having, having photographed those beam marks, which, which I, I, I um, encourage you to look at that video that I posted under, under Thomas Jefferson, because those are, not, those are very, very uh, unusual and, and smoking gun evidence, I believe. Having done all of that, I, I made the drastic move to just leave leave everything and leave abruptly and and tell no one what I was doing and and um, that's how I, I feel I was able to escape from it. I'm um, so amazed that they didn't follow you because I've done the same thing in the past. I've just taken off and <laughs> where I landed up in a couple of days, they were right there. And nobody knew I used different people for making reservations, different computers, everything else. I mean, it was just incredible how you, you were able to escape this. I've tried that. It doesn't. I think I, 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 maybe I got maybe I got lucky. Um, you got lucky. I, I got lucky, and and uh, they they tried to follow me, but um, but uh, the crew uh, dwindled in Seattle, and um, you, you know maybe. They know who I am. One of the one of the perpetrators uh, snagged my my passport on the bus while while my head was turned, and then I was asking everyone where my passport was, and 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 uh, then she returned it to me with a smile on her face uh, <laughs> an hour later. But um, not 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 only that, but they they knew they knew they have my personal information. They they know who I am, and. Um, so another key to me being able to escape this is that I have been off the radar since then. Uh, I mean, I, I got a driver's license that, that doesn't have my address on it and it has a different address on it. And so um, may, maybe I'll, I'll come back on their radar, but I've, I've, um, I took extraordinary steps. I put my life on hold basically to, to make sure that I was off their radar. But, but still, I think, I think the bottom line is, um, I think my story is unusual, and I think there was a certain degree of luck. So let's call it luck mixed in with a drastic 
action on my part. Let's let's call it let's call it mad mad counter surveillance skills on my part. Yeah, mixed in with a little bit of luck. Count your lucky stars every day of your life as long as you live. Because I've been doing this over twenty years. um, well, no, but that 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 assumes that I'm not going to be retargeted or picked back up by by them again. So, um, I I don't I'm not assuming that my targeting is over forever by any means. I've already made a kit, a shielding kit, and uh, I, I'm I'm expecting it to restart. Uh, I'm being cautious. What do you find as your best shielding? Well, I can't answer that question because um, right. Okay, I've, I've just made a, I've made a, I've made an emergency kit that I wish I had with me when I was in Vancouver, but I haven't yet been able to put that to the test. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I've so enjoyed you. I hope that Ella has you on once again. I'll somehow figure out a way to get in with another number or something. All right. <laughs> well, so I, I hope. I hope. Uh, all right. Well, um, hope your situation goes well and um, keep keep uh, keep contributing. And thanks for the call. Thank you so much. You've been great. And also, Ella, thanks for your wonderful calls. Oh, yeah, thank you, Luda. I'm so glad you were able to make it on. Just very late. <laughs> we have to hear your voice and to know that you're still around. And you're thanks. Here still vertical for another day. Never know about still tomorrow. Vertical. but. Right. Okay, guys, with that, um, we've gone about 30 minutes longer. Um, and thanks for – I know you're cold and you're outside, so we really appreciate it. And like I said, we'll do a part two at some point. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll touch base. Uh, tomorrow, Sean has my information too, um, and um, we'll touch base about some of the people we were hoping to get you in touch with. And again, like I said, you've been one of my favorite guests and favorite people. You know, from what I can tell and what I can surmise, you seem like just a really great man, and we appreciate your time. Okay, well, thanks. Thanks again um, for inviting me, and uh, you, you've been a silent support for me. And uh, yeah, let's touch base tomorrow because I, I want to hear. I, I want to. Um, I want to pick your brain for how I did and everything. So. Oh, you did great. <laughs> okay, you all right. You the comments and the text I'm getting. Everybody thinks, you know, you're just a very well-rounded human being, and I love that you take that scientific approach and the questions that you ask and the way that you answer. I mean, I wish we could all be that skilled, you know, and you're very scientifically based, as I said, and that's really, really important. You know, it's for for being believed and for having credibility. It's very important to... To, uh, to present like that. You know, we have something to learn from you. Okay, well, let's just uh, say that we all have a lot to learn from each other and to keep supporting each other. And uh, have a good night. Thanks for staying up so late. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Okay, <laughs> bye. Thanks, Matthew. Have a good night. Okay, talk to bye. you later. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.